Hey, yo, what's good? What's good? What's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the Road Podcast. This is our Miami edition presented by DJ City. Um, I'm one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. We got DJ Never. Yo, yo, what up? We got DJ D Miles. What's good? What's good? We got Jamie the Great. Yeah. And uh, yo, we got one of my favorite DJs of, in, of all time. Stop lying. Nah, nah, nah. We got one of my, <laughs> seriously, man. When I think of like dope Miami DJs, Mauricio, you, you're, you're honestly at the top of my list, man. And uh, he's a major staple in the fixture here in Miami for Legendary, the radio. Man. Yeah, for the radio, and nightclubs. Mm-hmm. Um, we got, you know, Mr. Mauricio in the building. Yeah. What's good? Yeah. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for me. coming through, man. We yeah. have to reschedule, but everything's all good. We yeah, got you over we here. We make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Um, what do you call it? So you've been in the game for a long time. I'm, we're, I'm a scam artist before I became a scam artist. Right. Uh, I remember you being on scam, and you even had, like, the first, I'm probably the first and ever gold chain scam artist, gold chain. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, I just want to hear your story, man, because I've been so, you know, you came up with AM, you, you've you been a major part of Miami nightlife and radio. And uh, You want the whole story? I want yeah. the whole story. It started on a dark <laughs> night, just like, no. Yeah, um, well, you started DJing at nine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you're born and raised in Miami? Born or? and raised 305 yeah. till I die. Yeah, so. so there's no more Dade County than me and Laz, you know, Pit Trick. There's like staples and DJ wise, I feel like um, for me, it's like Laz, Mr. Mix, who was a two life cruise DJ, mm-hmm. um, myself and Irie, Epps, Khaled. You know, there's like li- literally like 10 until now. And then there's like the next generation. But uh for me, I started really young at nine. I honestly saw a DJ at a communion or something like that. And uh, it was like the, can you curse on this? Yeah. 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 All right, cool. Because, sure. uh, you know, I have the dad <laughs> voice and then the, um, you know, and it was like the corny ass, you know, with the police lights on the speakers and stuff like yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> playing shout. And uh, I saw it and I was like, oh, I want to do this. And, uh, you know, my dad was like, you're tripping. There's no money in there. And but he helped me get some stuff, and I had the generic Gemini belt drive turntables, the yeah, pyramid yeah. mixer, mm-hmm. and um, you know I did that in my house, like every other DJ coming up in the garage, in my bedroom, and uh, 15. You know you you try to re up and get better and upgrade your 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 stuff, and that's uh, when my parents were telling me I ain't giving you no more money for this because you know it gets expensive even yeah, back yeah, then. Yeah. You know, uh, twelve hundred. Uh, five hundred dollars at that time was a lot, man. My G. Yeah. Nah, you it know was what like I'm more than five hundred. Five hundred dollars. <laughs> my my dad would give me like ten bucks for sneakers. Yeah, yeah. That. Five, it was unattainable. So, I'd be going to the uh, the pawn shops are big down here in Miami, mm-hmm. and get <laughs> crappy Lanier Tech seventeen hundreds or like you know yeah, wannabe twelve yeah. hundreds, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. And um, I did house parties. You know. I, Skating rinks, all that kind of stuff. So, and, uh, so coming up when you when you wanted to start DJing, who were you influenced here in, in Miami by? You know. So, so Miami again, if you're around my age, which I don't want to give my age, but you know, I'm looking good. None of us you do. Know None of us want to do that shit. <laughs> you know, that's a, I started I started counting backwards a few years ago, but yeah, if you grew up in Miami, man, the staples here are. I'll give you the three, and it's Laz, mm-hmm. Lazaro Mendez. Felix Sama, um, and Mr. Mix. Those are like the three guys in Miami who, like mid-80s to mid-90s, 
did everything that was significant in yeah, Miami. Yeah. They, um, the first ones to do mix shows on radio, on 99 Jams and on Power 96. Power 96 was, or it still is, like the, the rhythmic uh, station down here. They were super uh, mix show heavy and Laz was their mixer. And so was Felix. So on top of that, um, Mr. Mix was two live crews DJ. And then Laz and Felix Sama did all these uh, remixes and edits for every two life crew record. So they put themselves on, but they just caught the wave before there was a wave in Miami to DJ. So yeah. when you were, when I was like 10, 11, you would go and watch them play. You'd go to the skating rink. You'd go to like the car dealership that now it's kind of corny to see like radio remotes, but they'd be doing like playing there. And I'd be like just staring at them because <laughs> there was no one bigger when you're young you know, that person is bigger than anyone else. And yeah. there's not technology like there is now. So I don't know what's going on in New York or in LA. Yeah. So that guy is like God to me. So uh, Laz, hands down, uh, taught people how to scratch to booty music, which is, if you listen to booty music, if you can cut uh, at a BPM of booty music, you can pretty much cut anything in hip hop because it's really fast. Yeah. It's like double time speed. So I learned to cut like that. And then, you know, when... Uh, the hip hop finally finally started coming down here in the mid '90s. I was like, man, this cutting's easy, man. I can you know do triples and quadruples and all this mm. on a slower beat. Yeah, because it was like all 9,500 BPM and shit. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. and the hip hop didn't come down here till like '94. We were listening to freaking. Uh, really. Yeah, man, it was all dance music. We were listening to. First of all, Stevie B. Shout out Stevie B. Because he's from down here, and uh, mm. Johnny O. And uh, like freestyle music, all freestyle, freestyle dance music, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you would listen to uh, Power 96. It was all freestyle, no hip hop, and you would hear mixing over that. And again, Laz would cut over that, and then you would go from freestyle into booty, back into freestyle into booty. That's all we listened to. Oh wow! And so, you know, I mean, we got hints of hip hop like in the early 90s with uh, with uh, Dre and Snoop and stuff like that. Uh, but not until like 94 when like Ready to Die popped down here. Mm -hmm. Then we were all open to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like Nas, Wu Tang, and all yeah. that, right? Yeah. And, and my family, my parents grew up in Queens in Jackson Heights. That's why I'm Colombian. They're from Jackson Heights. And uh, so I, I would go up there all the time. So I would get doses of Tribe Called Quest. I'd come back here. Right, right. I'm like, yo, listen to this. They'd be like, that shit is terrible. <laughs> I'm like, no, this is amazing. And then I'd. Wash it out of my head, and I'm like, oh, I gotta listen to more, you know, Johnny O or whatever was playing. And um, but up there, they would play the same thing. They they play hip hop, but the freestyle was big. But um, yeah, again, uh, Lazaro Mendez, Felix Sama, Mr. Mix are probably the most influential for me. When you went to New York or visited family in Queens, did you like get to hear like Kid Capri, Clark Kent, yes. and everyone like that? Right. So I would go in the summers up there or for holidays, uh, and I would listen to um, uh, Red Alert. Yeah, Clark Kent, um, Kit Capri, man, uh, it's crazy. Like, I would listen to them play, and it would just be like, it's like another planet you're listening to. Yeah, yeah. You know, down here, and probably so different on the radio compared to Miami, right? We we don't we don't program music like that. We like sonically, we don't our ears don't even know what we're hearing, like because we would never hear that kind of music. Wow. And it took a while, you know. A lot of New Yorkers transplanted down here to Orlando and Miami, mm -hmm. and then it just started becoming big. And you know, it got commercial once the, like the mid '90s came here. Um, but again, I got lucky that I was go going to New York a lot, so I already had 
tribe leaders of the new school gangstar all like in my head embedded even though i was like in the closet telling people man yeah that shit's not really good in my head i would be <laughs> loving that shit yeah. because no one wanted to hear it i'd be like yo yeah yeah that shit ain't good but in my house i'd be listening to it all day wow. and i would hear the cuts and i'm like oh man let me practice and again to me i would cut like booty records if you listen to any booty records and you there's always a, a breakdown with the cutting it's super fast yeah you know and you mm -hmm. gotta be good with both hands it's not like a basic slow cut so i was like uh, you know usual um uh, like 90s golden era hip-hop it's like 90 95 98 so i can do that with my eyes closed so i'd be cutting and people are like holy shit and i'm like man this is easy yeah you know so i know did you were you able to get like mixtapes and shit from New York? Like, uh, I would well, that's what I'm saying. I would bring them down here yeah, all yeah. the time. That shit got no play in none of my friends' car. <laughs> I would have to hear them at home or in, in my parents' car because they, they didn't want to hear none of that music. And I'd have mixtapes on mixtapes on mixtapes on mixtapes. Like, did you was it like the whole Stretch Armstrong and Stretch and Bobbito? Stretch and Bobbito were big, man. Yeah, yeah. Did you? Did you know about that or yeah? Yeah, I mean, my friends would put me on like like my cousins up there would put me on to, to stuff like that and uh, like even like Tony Touch, I would yeah, listen to yeah. early Tony Touch stuff, and I'd be like, damn, you know, like because again, Laz would be like booty, but I was like, yo, here's this Latin DJ from New York, incredible what he's playing, you know, mm -hmm. I want to play that kind of music instead of playing what everyone's playing here, so um, it's crazy, man. To me, it's crazy because. When I was a kid, I looked up to all these guys, and you know, uh, you look forward like five years after that, and I'm playing with them because of you right. know Bill Spector, and you know we'll get into all that later. For sure. Well, you started early, man, because you was like doing a nightclub at 17. You did Correct. liquid. Well, I got yeah. I mean, I this is my thing. I tell when I talk to younger kids, I feel like talent only goes to this far because I know a million DJs with a shitload of talent, and you got to have. I don't want to say luck, opportunity, luck, a chance or something. Most people get it and they don't see it and then it just passes by. Yeah. I got lucky, you know, but I feel I can't just say lucky because if I was terrible, then the luck wouldn't have helped. You mm -hmm. know, it's a combination I, of both. Right. Yeah. You got to have some kind of, of talent, you mm -hmm. know, yeah. because there's people that get lucky and are, are, are terrible DJs and that's it. They end up. But again, there's a bunch of great DJs in every city. That you go in a hole in the wall and you're like, damn, this motherfucker's ill. Mm -hmm. Why is he still playing here? Yeah. And I try to, let me try again on the radio. Let me try in the club. And the club's like, fuck that. We don't know him. The radio's like, we don't know who. He is. And you're like, right. man, you know, why is this guy here? He's terrible. And I'm telling you, this guy's better than me. And he's not getting a shot. But again, so um, I dropped out. Of, I'll give you everything. I dropped out of high school. My parents hated me. I told them I was going to play basketball and I dropped out. Um, I was I had a scholarship to junior college and it was like basketball DJ basketball DJ and at some point you're like fuck they're way better than me you know what I'm saying <laughs> your parents players. your parents and your friends till a certain age can tell you're good at some point you realize I thought I was good and then you go like to camp or something you're like fuck they're way better than me yeah. so I was like I'm gonna DJ my parents hated it you know you know like yeah. You guys know, no parents gonna tell you yet. You're gonna, especially back in the day. Because it's unheard of. There was there was no there was no DJ culture back in the day. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you're saying you're gonna DJ. My mom thinks I'm gonna do weddings and bar mitzvahs and communions, and she's like, <laughs> "That's what you want to do with your life, you know?" And yeah. I have Latin parents. You know, they they want me to go to college and yeah, you know, date a girl that has successful and have kids that are more successful. 
that kind of bullshit. But um, the immigrant uh, dream. Yeah, the, the immigrant yeah. dream. It's everyone's dream, you know. What I'm saying every immigrant family, they they tell you they move here with no money. I sacrifice I, everything. I and couldn't speak you, English. You yeah, and you the, want a DJ. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's <laughs> that, what you want to yeah. do with your fucking life. But yeah, so I dropped out, dude. I, I moved to Miami Beach, and I was lit- literally for two years sleeping on the floor at my friends' places every other night. But I refused to go back home with my mm-hmm. tail between my legs. I felt I wasn't going to give my parents the benefit of, of giving writing me forever on that. Right. So um, I would fly or I would do everything but DJ because no one knew I DJed. And I just kind of, in my head, I kind of gave up on it. My shit was still at my parents' house. I couldn't bring it anywhere. I didn't have money for storage. So I was flying for this promotion company, uh, and they used to do this party called NFA. It was like a big hip-hop party in the 90s here in Miami Beach. And uh, they used to do a night at Liquid. And so I would flyer, flyer, flyer. And then um, the main guy from that, the promoter, told the owner, or, or Chris Pacello's younger brother, Keith Pacello, um, oh, Mauricio needs another job. So I would do the register there. Then I ran tables. I did the door there. I'd do anything but DJ. <laughs> and again, and again you was like 17 years old. Doing I was like 17. I, yeah. I can show you pictures, man. I'm like fucking. I want to see these pictures. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> pictures, bro. It was crazy. I've seen a young, a few pictures of Mauricio on his Instagram. I'm like, damn. Yeah, I was like a it little like chip a working at the door of like. That's that was, crazy though. At man. that time, if you don't know Liquid and you and you look it up, it was the biggest club in the yeah. country. You were it like Henry a, from Goodfellas, yo. You were yeah. Just yeah. Like, <laughs> so that was me, man. But I'd be working in the biggest club on my, by Madonna and by Chris Pacello and Caceres, which were like the, probably uh, the biggest promoters. Can you, you guys know, can you guys talk a little bit about Chris Pacello because his yeah. name keeps coming up? What do you want to know? I, I mean, I just don't. I think you guys don't. Yeah, read, I, don't I know. know. I, got, I, I know get the questions all I the time. You know. I think Mauricio has more. Yeah. Yeah. I did the research and I, I I get why people don't talk about him. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> something that you just people ask me all the time, and I just kind of give them the general answer. Yeah. People, you know, ask what he did, what he got to prison for. You know, he did it. You know, when we were young, we all do fucked up shit. You know what I'm saying? And we're yeah. a product of. When I was young, I did fucked up shit in my neighborhood yeah. with my boys. And luckily, I tell people, the DJ, you know, I dropped out of school, but the DJ got me away from my boys. I got two of my friends doing like 40 year bids right now Damn. for drugs. Most of, most of the shit in Miami is always for drugs, mm-hmm. you know, because here you can carry guns. It's never really a gun thing here. It's the South. Yeah. It's the yeah. South. South, you know, it's a Bible Belt, but. We love guns down here, and guns you can carry as many as you want on you in your car, in your house, so whatever. So, um, um, Chris is you know, Chris did his shit in New York, moved down here, getting away from it, and uh, he had a bunch of uh venues that he had here, yeah. And then Liquid popped up, he he kind of joined with uh. Ingrid and Ingrid, Ingrid Caceres was a big promoter back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. She was best friends or girlfriends with Madonna, some shit like that. Yeah, I've heard of I was, that. Yeah, yeah, they were like, you he know. Ended up, he ended up dating Madonna, right? Chris he, Pichella? I, I don't know dating, but I don't know about dating, but I think I yeah. heard rumors there. Let me tell you. <laughs> they, they was <laughs> talking. I'm going to tell yeah. you something about Chris, man. <laughs> shout shout out my dog, friend. Chris. You know, he definitely put me on. I know there's a bunch of people here yeah. in Miami that will tell you. I gave Mauricio the first job. He literally gave me, it was his club, you know, and I worked for a bunch of people, Bill Spector, Conrad, you know, uh, big promoters in the game. But it was the first club was at, at Liquid. So I'll tell you what happened. So I was working the, do- uh, the door or running tables, whatever it was. And um, 
the big DJ at that time in Miami Beach was this guy named Radimus. Mm -hmm. And Radimus, to me, again, was like a god at that point. He had oh. ran the beach. When I tell you, he worked every night, and it was the biggest clubs. And he had a deal with Puffy at the time, doing, I don't know what, he had a, a deal with Bad Boy. Um, and uh, he was amazing. He was he, another transplant from New York. And he just played like I used to hear New York DJs. It's, it's very party rock, like on the mic, nice cut and transitions. And down here, we never did that. Mm -hmm. Down here was like super basic. And there was no hip hop at that time. Mm -hmm. So he was in the small room. It was always EDM, EDM. Anyway, so one day he was, he got sick. He got the flu and he was gone for a week. And he used to do, I mean, I'll name you the clubs he did. And if you're over 30, you know what they are. If you're under, then look them up. He used to do KGB and Chaos and uh, uh, Groove Jet, Liquid, Barroom, every, every big club. Um, and he got sick. So um, I used to work the door at Liquid. And I used to, again, I used to promote for Bill Spector. And these guys used to do all these big other uh, clubs. But Rad was, Radimus was a guy who did every, if you were doing a hip hop party, uh, he was a guy. So he got sick. And uh, the club didn't know until like 9 p.m. he wasn't coming in. Um, at that point, the general manager of the club knew that I DJed but I, at home. And he heard me fucking around on the turntables upstairs. And he's like, we don't have a DJ. What are we going to do? They went and called Chris. And they're like, yo, Mauricio can DJ. So I was an ass. I was told, hey, you're playing tonight. I was like, yo, I don't have records. Just use Radimus's records. And I was like, oh, fuck he, me, man. Because he left him there. Huh? He left him there. Because yeah. he would play, yo, he would play Friday and Saturday there. That was the only place to be Friday and Saturday night. So he was like the resident there. How Friday. many crates did he have over there? Bro, he had like five. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the long ones. It wasn't even like the, the box ones. So yeah, it was like, like so the it was rectangle 10. ones. Yeah. So it, was, it was like 10 crates. And you don't know where shit is, man. That's the thing. You know, like if you have <laughs> records, you know where everything is without even like you can... I could tell you where, you know, where yeah, every yeah. record was. Mm -hmm. I'm like 17 on a fucking Friday night and the biggest club in, in, in the country at that point. Man, I was probably terrible, man. I, I, I'm glad there was like no recordings of it. But so I played probably terrible. I, I, I say the story all, this, all the time. And so that whole weekend he was sick. And since I covered for him there, Bill Spector had me do Chaos and do Groove Jet and all this shit. And, um, that same weekend? That whole weekend. Wow. And that shit changed my life because Monday came along, and I remember they, they're like, oh, uh, Chris Pacello wants to have a meeting with you, with the managers or some shit like that. And I went in, and they're like, hey, Fridays are your night now. Wow. Bro, when I tell you Radimus hated me, <laughs> and this is someone I loved. That, <laughs> I loved. I looked up to him in every way. All of a sudden, he hated me. Like, I took his job. yeah. And since a young age, I've always been like, bro, I don't hire, I don't own the club. And if they would have fired you, am I not supposed to take the job? Somebody you know else would have taken it. Right, if I don't take someone else. So to this day, I always tell people when, when DJs tell me, hey, they want to hire me here, but I don't. Bro, if he's going to get mad at you, he's not your dog because you're not the one hiring, firing. Right. And if you don't do it, he'll take it or, you'll, or I'll take it right. if you don't want to do it. So I did it. And once I played there, um, they, I started playing there on Fridays and then opening up. This is fucked up. Radimus hates me at this point. I'm playing Fridays there. And then Bill Spector only used him and all his other nights. 
and he put me as his opener. All, so now I got to see him fucking four nights a week, and he fucking hates me, and he sees the transition yeah. of everything. And I'm like, every night, like, fuck, man. And me and him got close, but he saw it happening, and he's like, oh, this and that. But yeah, so I started working there. Then I, I did Bar Room, which was Chris's other club. And then, you know, once the 2000s came, that's when uh, the, the Milan brothers and Roman opened uh, Opium. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we call it the, the Roman Empire that was here for like <laughs> 10 years. And uh, I opened that club and did every club, Opium, Privé, uh, Mansion. You were their go-to. You the were go-to. Their, yeah. And I remember when they needed more hip-hop, I was like, yo, my dog Irie. He's fucking, that's my dog. That's my brother, man. I've known him forever. And and a completely different style from you. He's, completely different. He's completely different. He's more mic-based, uh, a lot of drops. Correct. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah, and so, yeah, and so at, at some point, me and him were doing every part. But let me tell you, look how crazy this is. At the peak, Roman had an opium garden, me in one room, Irene in the other room, and Khaled in the other room. Wow. Damn, man. Oh, fucking yeah. all-star team! That's there. crazy, you know. That's like to, think to me when I when you say that, like it reminds me of like like '90s basketball when it was like Jordan, right? It was like when, that '92 Dream yeah, yeah. Team, you know what I'm saying? And the thing is, there was nobody else. If I I couldn't tell you, oh, there's a bunch of little a bunch of other DJs. There was nobody else. So, um, and even like Cali, Cali was doing more radio more than clubs, and he would do the clubs. But he would do like the reggae clubs. He would do a uh, uh, Rockers Island. Shout out about Fuko. He does like all the, the Jamaican parties, and that was more his thing yeah. than anything else. He got big uh, doing the underground radio. I did my first radio station was the same as Khaled. We did Mix ninety six, uh, which was it's crazy. It's underground, but the antenna reached fucking far. We were always like, oh man, no one's gonna hear this, but people would hear it because it would be. Again, New York hip-hop, which no one would really play like that. Mm. And reggae. Yeah. That's all you would hear 24 hours a day and a bunch of, like, Jamaican restaurant uh, commercials in between. Can you, can you break down, actually, kind of, like, in the Miami scene, you know, we heard about Booty. But also, like, you know, you guys are basically a hub for, like, all the Caribbean islands, pretty much, right? Right. And then, so reggae is a big part of Miami as well. Reggae? Look, I came up but in no South one really, Miami. But no one really talks about it a little bit, like, you know? Yeah, yeah, so... Like, for me, I tell people always, when I was like a jit, when I was young and I would play a lot of reggae in my in my sets, people would be like, yo, how the fuck? You're like, first, the white boy, you're a white boy playing. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, I'm white, but I'm Spanish. I'm I'm spick, you know what I'm saying? Play, how do you know all this shit? I'm like, dude, I, I grew up in South Miami. It's all Caribbean. It's all like Chinese, Jamaican, Jamaican, yeah. Bahamian. So, again, that's all you listen to. I knew every rhythm that came out. Mm. I tried to get every dub play that would come out. I was more obsessed with like VP Records at, at its peak, mm. um, which was a huge yeah, uh, yeah. a record label for reggae and dancehall at the time, more than hip hop because that's what down south you would listen to, mm-hmm. probably even or more than ra- more than hip hop would be dancehall yeah. at the time. And as a DJ, you play what you want to see girls dance to and. Yeah. See a girl dance to uh, to reggae or and dance was, And at that time in the nineties, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that was like when it, when I was at a hip hop party, 
that's mm-hmm. when you got a chance to actually grind with a girl. Right. Because yeah. yeah. no one was grinding to hip hop. You don't grind like, to 90s hip hop, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know it what was, I'm saying? And it was like only, like now everyone twerks and grinds to everything. Yeah. But in the 90s, you only grinded to, hip, uh, to reggae. So everyone was like, yo, play some reggae. Play some reggae but, but so like, we get close to these girls. <laughs> yeah, you, know yeah, I mean? you got to play for yeah, the man. girls. If not, you don't yeah. play. And you would get like a good 15, 20 minutes of reggae, yeah. reggae set. Doing hip-hop but that party. was your chance to kind of get yeah. get to the girl that you liked mm-hmm. and then get close to her. Yeah. And you would actually grind with her and you'd be like, it would be okay. So you yeah. guys only had 20 minutes to grind? <laughs> a little bit because hip-hop. Yeah, it was a hip-hop party. The reggae sets are small. So once you hear the first reggae record, you know there's going to be at least three more. So you make your way around. Yeah. Just kind of stand Scout behind them. The yeah. Damn, I'm girls spoiled. Were, girls I'm spoiled were, as fuck. Girl, I mean, nowadays a girl turns around and just starts twerking on you. Yeah, no, yeah. y'all got it so easy. Bro, that didn't yeah. happen back in the when day. When I was <laughs> going to school dances, 11, 12 years old, I was like, damn, this is like the devil's fucking dancing shit. But then I'm like, oh, this is how everybody dances. Yeah. But I grew up, everything was like, you know what it is. I tell people now, like with reggaeton, right here in Miami, mad Hispanic people, and the girls like. That's when they, you know, back that ass into you and shit like that. I'm always like, you know, you put on Shaq. What, like, all you can't dance with a girl to none of that music. Nah, nah. I like, you know, I like it. There's no interaction with girls today. Yep. You're jumping mm-hmm. around, so all you have is reggae or reggaeton at this point. Mm-hmm. If you ain't listening to that, there's no dancing with girls. Well, well now we have like the Louisiana bounce, the twerks, the yeah. twerk right. music that they but all. But they're twerk not twerking. Twerk. But you can't dance with the girl. You're just standing there. Yeah, really and she's, just, yeah. she's doing her <laughs> shit. She's doing her shit off. You're just sitting there like grabbing her by the hair, yeah. or by the waist, holding her in place. Yeah, place. yeah. yeah. you're holding her. Like, like, yeah, stay there. Don't move. Holding a drink while she's like twerking for like two minutes. It's the weirdest. Experience now to me to just have like just girls just turn around and just start twerking. Like a lot of them can't even twerk, but it's just, I don't know, they try. A lot of them struggle. can't dance, but they think that twerking is dancing. And yeah. it's, I think it's like a dialect of dancing, but it's not really dancing because you're just kind of bouncing around. But you you play like like dance hall, Spanish, merengue salsa. Yeah. You need to know how to dance. You either know how to dance it or you don't. Yeah. You know, and, and, a, and a girl that like a female knows how to dance correctly to, to a certain kind of music. Nothing better as a DJ for yeah, me. Twerking is like a solo guitar, right? Right. Yeah. Like just watch it. You can either be good or not be good. <laughs> right. It's a, it's you can be a fucking legendary movie or a train wreck. Either or. Three minutes of that of yeah. train wrecking. <laughs> so you you guys were playing reggae on the radio. Was that like unheard of at that time? Or No, was- you know, like, um, again, uh, Power 96, even more than... Like, 99 Jams is a super historic uh, black urban station that's been around forever. So has Power. Power's been, uh, like, dance. It was freestyle and dance and stuff like that. But Power broke more dance artists than anybody. Mm. Mr. Vegas, uh, Sean Paul. Like, all those rhythms that were big. Um, Wayne Wonder was broken on rhythmic radio, uh, especially down here, uh, because it works. You know, like... Uh, for Hispanic people, I've, I feel we listen to everything. You know, we can we we know what island sounds sound like because probably from fucking island if you're from here. You yeah. know, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Cuban, and um, you know, so we vibe like Latin people down here. We fuck with whatever we listen to hip hop because if you're from the hood, we fucking listening to, to hip hop. But your mom's fucking you know that your mom's playing this, your girl likes to listen to this, so you listen to everything here. But Dancehall's always been such deep rooted in in Miami music, like since back, 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 back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, so when did you start being on the radio? 
because at 17 you were doing these clubs. Right. You did Liquid. You started getting into rotation with Bill Spector parties, and then you and Irene Khaled were doing major clubs. At what right. time did you, was it just the, the nightclub, like your, your name started getting out in the nightclubs and the radio kind of recruited you? Right. So my thing was backwards. There's a lot of radio DJs that just do radio and, and you know, intern and, and, and get their chance on the radio. Yeah. And um, even, like you said, even like Khaled, Khaled went more to radio than the club heavy stuff down here. Um, me and Ari would do more of the, the clubs, but I was doing like, again, it, this was like early 2000s, like 2002. I was doing all the big clubs, and, and one of the PDs or program directors from, uh, it's iHeart now, but it used to be called Clear Channel. Yeah. He went in there with an artist, and um, he's like, yo, have you ever done radio? I was like, nope. Did I want to? Nope. You know what I'm saying? I was like <laughs> 20. I don't give, you know, I told you, it's like girls, and that's all I care about. Yeah. The radio <laughs> shit didn't really mean, because I didn't need it as an outlet. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm fucking playing at Liquid with Madonna, and I played at Glam Slam, which was owned by Prince, uh, which was Level, and then uh, Mansion. Yeah, yeah. So all these big clubs are owned by, like, huge people. So I'm around J-Lo at the time. and, and um, Yeah, because radio, people got on the radio to do what you were doing. Correct. Yeah. It was, it was done backwards. And so they brought me to the radio, and everyone's like, yo, you should do it. You know, you know, don't take it seriously. It's whatever. And I went in there, and um, my first radio show was on Y100. It was live? It was not live. It was pre-recorded. But thank God it was because <laughs> I probably was terrible at it too. But they were, they were, the thing is they were testing the demo. Uh, they did a 30-minute mix. This guy used to, um, used to be big on the air. He's a comedian now in L.A. called Michael Yo. He's on Sirius Michael XM Yo, too. Uh -huh. um, and he was a... The Michael Yo show? Was yeah. <laughs> it, what was this thing? The half-brother half, with the Korean mother. He was like half-Korean, half-black. Oh, okay. So that was... He's like on VH1. He does like, I don't know, a bunch of bullshit. Shout out Michael Yo. But he, he got me on the show and it was like a 30-minute thing and they were like, do hip-hop. I'm like, yo, this is Y100. They're like pop. They're more pop. They're like Z100 or Kiss. Yeah. Yeah. They're not even rhythmic. That they're like, they're they're not playing uh, Sean Paul. Or they're playing Jonas Brothers and Katy you know Perry. Yeah. that. Yeah. And I'm like, why are they playing hip hop? Why are they asking me to play hip hop? Peak hours, like at five to five thirty. I didn't know there. Were, you know that that's when like hip hop was starting to come full circle, like mm -hmm. commercially in like the early two thousands. And um, they told me, oh, we're opening a new station. And it's going to be 103.5 The Beat. And you're our guy there. You tell us when do you want to play, uh, what time. I'm like, shit. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Because it never works that way. I mean, <laughs> at that time, I didn't know it didn't work that way. But now that I've done radio so long, it doesn't work that way. You know, you got to wait forever. There's people like me that have been on radio 17 years. And there's probably like 100 kids saying, how long is fucking Mauricio going to be on the fucking radio? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> because they want to get that chance. Yeah. But um, but yeah. So then I did that, and I got on the radio like in oh two oh three, and I'm still on the radio. I mean, I I just like the the whole radio concept. Yeah, I have you know? a question. Uh, we hear a lot about LA uh, DJs that were on the radio and then start doing clubs, and then the radio kind of affected them being in the club because the club didn't want that urban quote unquote crowd to come. Did that affect you as well? Right. So it's like a cancer. At least in Miami, I don't know how it is. I mean, I know New York because I've lived there now at this point in my life. I've lived there a few years. Um, it's like a cancer, a good club or quote unquote. Crooked knows like when you're a cool club, yeah. 
you being on the radio is like the worst thing to them. They think it's like a fishnet. You're going to bring the shittiest people in there. They don't want to be associated (laughs) unless it's like a, like a hip hop event. And then, Oh, can you mention it and stuff like that? But so to me, it worked out for me because by the time I did the radio, um, I was doing the big clubs, so they didn't care. The owners didn't listen to the hip hop station. So it didn't really, but I would see for years a bunch of uh, radio DJs that would never, to this day, gotten an opportunity to play at a half-decent club mm. because they're like, fuck that, he's on the radio. Right. And they would always ask me, so how do you do it? And I was like, because I did it backwards. By the time I did radio, I was already doing the big clubs, so it never really affected me that way. Mm. The clubs did always tell me never say you're at opium you know, when you're on the air. Don't mention our club, don't mention shit. So I kind of learned how to separate one from the other. Yeah. During those days when you was on, started on the radio, was you an um, on-air personality or you was just doing Hell mixing? no, you hear my voice? <laughs> Motherfuckers hate me. Like to this day, like people are like, you do radio? I'm like, yeah. Uh, my voice sounds like a, like a penny with like in a tin can, you know? <laughs> so when, when I do radio now, I've done it so long, people recognize my voice, but... Yeah. I was going to say, it's a pretty unique voice. Yeah, right. But, but probably at the time, they wanted the radio voice. They yeah, wanted, they want uh, the super radio voice. So like, I was, Laz has like the radio voice. Total radio yeah. voice. Mm-hmm. Total radio voice. And you did his, was that kind of like an honor when you Correct. did his, so, his yeah, show, yeah. right? I, I did Y100, and then I did the um, uh, 103.5 The Beat, and then it took a dip, and they started changing to, to uh, formats, and Laz asked me to come to power. Mind you, I grew up listening. That was like... The Holy Grail, if you if you lived in Miami, was uh, at power. And then to work with Laz, which was like fucking God at that point, it, it was a morning show. And I would, 99%, I would say no, because we work at night. Right. So it would be fucking going straight from the club over there to do a 30-minute mix at 7 in the fucking morning. But it was Laz, and I said yes. And uh, I almost died driving there a bunch of times in the morning. But it was because it was after the club, bro. Or? All the time, I passed out at the wheel so many times, man. Oh, it was terrible. But to me, it was like a bucket list thing. And um, I work with Laz I, again when I was a kid. And Laz is not like super old. Laz is, you know, like maybe like eight, ten years older than me. But you know, there's a point, there's a gap that he was way up here. Yeah. And I'm 16, and he's he was probably like 22, 23. But he was the guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm a nobody. And he's like the the god, and whoever tells you otherwise is bullshit. And you know because anyone who's from Miami will tell you that's just it is. There's no second place, third place. It was like Laz, Felix Sama, and that's it. DJ wise in Miami. Yeah. Was a lot of people like a, a lot of local DJs, radio and club, were they kind of hating on you? Because it seems like you kind of not got lucky, but you you got opportunities that a lot of more. Bro, let me tell get, you. Yeah? I'll tell you. There's this guy, Tom LaRock. Shout out Tom oh, LaRock. I know Tom. That's my dog. Yeah. That guy wanted to fucking beat me up for like a year. <laughs> and now I see him and we walk. Everybody we, hated Mauricio. We walk our kids to school, which is a funny thing. I love Tom LaRock, man. He, he's also one of the like amazing DJs, man. His, his knowledge for music and reggae and hip. He's again. Yeah, he was really good in reggae. Bro, he's a white boy from uh, up like uh, Long Island, I think. He, he wasn't from the city, but. He used to he, come to DJ in the Hamptons like during the summertime. Yo, the guy, you sit there and he, his music knowledge is incredible. He can play anything and his reggae and dance hall was 
impeccable. It look to me if you listen to like Riz and people like that, yeah. they're so anal about sounding right mm-hmm. that they don't want to sound wrong, not for anyone else but for themselves. So that's how I came up like listening to DJs that they're so hard on themselves that I watch kids now and they're like, fuck it. You know what I'm saying? I'll just drop it. I'm like, dude, what are you doing, man? That just sounds crazy, but they don't care (laughs) to me. I'm like, I'll just let it, you know, I fuck, you know, I'm not going to drop, you know, I'm waiting for the right place to put it. Right. Right. And Tom was like that too. Tom was again, the the Radimus days and, um, Epps shout out DJ Epps. He used to be doing fat black pussycat at liquid too. So there was a bunch of DJs. Yeah. And they saw a young ass kid come in all of a sudden and they're, in, back in the day, they probably all hated me. They told me to my face they don't now. But I remember I would get those phone calls. I'm going to punch you in the face next time I see you at my party. Really? I'm gonna, Yo. Wow. <laughs> so then I did the only thing I would, you know, I didn't want to lose my job. So I would tell my older brother and my friends from my neighborhood who were fucking bad dudes, man. Well, yeah, they're doing four years bids. Yo, there was a long Yo. pause. Like, how do I describe these yeah. motherfuckers? How do, how, do I, how do I say this without without <laughs> saying bad stuff? But they were just like, bad I just guys. don't give a fuck about anything. The you neighborhood know? goons. Right. And so, I, you know, my brother was always super protective. And he would be like, you know, you have any problems? You know, the beach is crazy, this and that. And I started telling him, yo, this guy's telling me this and that. Here, bro, when you have a problem with a bad dude, I'll tell you what happens. Um, a real bad person from like down here in Miami will come, pick you up. No one will see you, chop you up, and throw you in the Everglades. That's what happens to people here. That's just, I'm going to tell you how it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Go, a, let go, that be a warning. Go look at Cocaine Cowboys, whatever. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, oh, yeah. I'm not glamorizing <laughs> shit, you know what I'm saying? I like, thought he was going to say, like, pick you up, beat you up, and then drop you off somewhere. No, 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 no. chop beat you, you up. Beat you up. Beat you up, that doesn't happen. Like, here, man, you, like, you get into shit with the wrong person here. I used to hear that shit a lot about uh, Jam- Jamaicans, yo. Uh, like, yo, like, don't fuck with Jamaicans in Miami. Like, Here, yo, the Haitians are... The Haitians, shout out to too, Zo- yes. The Zopound, Pound, <laughs> like, shout out to Zopound. Pound. The, you know, like, we come, you know, when we come from other countries, man, we're, like, poor, like, dirt poor. You know what I'm saying? So we fend for ourselves from day one. And so when we come here and we get into shit with people that just mouth off. And again, I'm not a fucking tough guy and this and that, but I'm not going to stand down to anyone you know what i'm saying i just got raised by by my dad and my, my friends you know my dad my, my brother would whoop my ass if i didn't fight back you know what i'm saying so but to me you know i knew when it was people that were just that i couldn't deal with i would tell them and not that it happened to, to any dj but that was just what it was you know like if you fuck up with the wrong person here you would just kind of disappear and we would know where you would probably end up and it would be 30 miles west of here, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, where at the Everglades. Right. The, the, them gators will get you and ain't no one seeing you in, ever again. Yeah. And that's happened, you know, real talk, hundreds of thousands of times here. 
I feel like a lot of motherfuckers have machetes out here, right? Everyone has a machete here, man. <laughs> yeah. It's you like a saying? normal... You, have a, it's like you have a gun in the house and the machete's outside by the door. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm it's saying? It's like New York with a baseball bat. Yeah. Like yeah, everyone had a baseball bat. Out there. Every, yeah. Everyone has a machete in Miami. <laughs> it's like having a cell phone and shit. <laughs> the machete, everyone has. And, and everyone knows how to use it. Your mom uses it. You know what I'm saying? Someone gets in the house. <laughs> you're catching the machete, it's man. Like I got my keys, got my wallet, and the machete. What's the LA, what's the LA machete baseball bat? What is it? I don't know. Is it, the, is it the tie iron? Is it the car oh, tie iron? The crowbar? I nah. mean, probably, probably, probably the crowbar. Yeah. Crowbar or gun? Y'all just did drive-bys and shit. Yeah, yeah they had yeah. guns, man. Yeah. Yeah. Guns. I mean, the gun. Yeah, the guns here is crazy, man. Like, if you do like your homework on Miami, man, like the gun shit is just crazy here. Yeah, you know, we 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 had crazy years here, man. Like, even now, man. Like, it doesn't happen a lot, but when it happens, you see, and it's like crazy. Yeah. But before it was like the Wild West here, and again it doesn't change because it's it you know we call it the gunshine state here for years. Mm-hmm. You know you can get guns anywhere. There's gun shows every weekend. You can fucking get a gun anywhere yeah. within an hour. And if you don't have one, it's cool because all of us, you know, the rest of the people in the room have one. <laughs> so I wouldn't carry one, but all my boys would have one because you know. It's uncomfortable to DJ with one on you. I've tried. <laughs> I've tried. And DJ. if you look at my DJ bag, there's one in the, in the DJ bag right there just because I was told when I was young, you live in Florida, it's your right. Why don't you, you know. Exercise it. Exercise it. It's there. Yeah. You know, I so, don't know, man. So don't try my research because he's always packing. Yeah, man. I'm not trying to fight, man, but if it's time to, you know, pop off. Yeah, let's get him saying, yeah, we'll be popping. Yeah, yeah I'm going to call my research. Come like, protect you. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> it's crazy. When you and, uh, when you, Irie, and Khaled were doing, like, the club together, like, what did you guys, like, kind of come together at the end of the night, get something to eat and hang out and shit? Hell no. No? <laughs> No, no, man. It wasn't one of those like kumbaya things. No, nah, man. Night. Look, we we're a family. We like we put in work. Each of us differently, man. If 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 you see where Khaled is, and Irie and me, we all kind of different, but we come from the same thing. We like we're from Miami. Uh, we were brought up, you know, like drinking the same water. We were like rooted pretty much the same. Khaled came, you know, from Orlando via Louisiana, but you know he's Miami no matter what, and uh. Um, you know, our, our musical taste is always similar. Mm-hmm. We all have deep-rooted, like, love for, like, Caribbean music, Haitian. You, you, we have all, like, I feel like if you're from Miami, you have Haitian in you, you have Hispanic in you, mm-hmm. you have Cuban in you, Colombian. You know, you have all the, 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 the Latin aspects in you, but you definitely have Haitian, you have Jamaican, you have Trini in you. Yeah. So you play soca. And even mm-hmm. if you're going to play, like, dance music, you play house, go right into soca and they're like damn i can't believe you played that because they don't know that that shit works and that shit it, it sounds right for us you know mm-hmm. and uh again we all play differently but you'll see you can tell a miami dj when you hear them play because yeah. we'll play a little more of this a little more of that than they do in la or new york and yeah. in chicago i've never gone to a room and i don't think i've first of all i've never gone to a room in miami and heard a bad miami dj like outlandishly bad, mm-hmm. and then secondly, I've never heard bad music selection, yeah. ever. 
like they're always playing at least something I can vibe to. Yeah. yeah, it's very different. I could go to New York or any other city and be like, "This is fucking horrible." Yeah, and then like the DJ, these DJs are horrible. Yeah, other places you hear like three, four, five bad songs, and then but here you right and away. Even if the mixing is not the greatest, yeah, the I can live with selection. the selection. I can yeah. be like, "Yo, the selection's good," and they know. That's what to one play. thing you yeah. have to win me with something, man. Like, I get it, right? I'm not amazing on the mic, right? I'm not Kid Capri. I'm not Camillo. I'm not Laz. But I can handle my own. You know, I can say, mm-hmm. put your hands in the air, whose birthdays, that kind of bullshit. But I know I can mix. I know my transitions. I know music. Um, I, I, I would like to think I'm a great selector of music. And, um, and that's it. You know, you, have, you, you need to know your strong suit and then exploit that. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can't, we can't all be fucking kick Capri, you know what I'm saying, and just be good at everything, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and we can't be Jazzy Jeff, and, you know, again, and, and they'll turn around, like you said, like even AM, AM, who's like the DJ's DJ, who everyone talks about, you know, that's family, that's, that's, that's my dog, he would come to Miami and always do this bowing thing when he would see me, I'm like, my G, you're crazy, you know yeah. what I'm saying, like, we look at you, like, you're, you're like the God who made it, and we're trying to, I'm trying to be like you, but he'd be like, nah, man, because you play, he would see me play like Trick Daddy and Trina into rock and shit like that. Yeah. And he's like, man, I can't play that shit in L.A. Yeah. I can't play that shit in <laughs> Vegas. They look at me fucking crazy. And we would, you know, AM for years came down here. Um, um, Bill Spector brought him down here. And I met him in Vegas at, where was it? You were in Vegas? Yeah, man. My first time I met AM, I met Adam in L.A. at. What was the name of the place, man? Babies? Babies? Dragonfly? No, man. Hard Rock? LA or Vegas? In Vegas. Vegas. I have the flyer, man. Light? Light. Oh, wow, man. Light. In the Bellagio. In the Bellagio. Wow. And, you know, Fat Adam came in there, and I was like... (laughs) Well, no man I'm saying that's you know when I first met him there, he there, wasn't there, there's no, Big Adam there's no. Big AM and there's there's, there's a Skinny AM Skinny no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you said it was just Big AM yeah, yeah. Fat yeah. Adam no well yeah I mean it sounds like Fat Albert yeah, yeah, yeah. I always call Adam because I felt weird saying hey what's up AM yeah so yeah, he would always weird. be like Adam and I was like hey what's up Adam but when I met him I had never met him and Bill told me yo this kid is the real deal from uh, LA and I walked into the club, and here's like you know Big Adam. Yeah, I'm like this nigga right here's the DJ. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No way. You know what I'm saying? Here I am like with chains. You know like yeah. you know me. I, I blew. You look like a rapper, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm listen. I was the first one in Miami. Kind of looks like Sean Paul. Yeah, I, I get the comparison. <laughs> but I was one of the f- very first DJs in Miami with the gaudy jewelry i had the first pair of johnny dang paul wall you was flossy you was flossy right you were like the ben, you money. were like ben ballered out and you yeah and you, you had ring, ben you had would look at me and be yeah. like bruh yeah where are you buying this and i you know i no I, but this is before the diamond district i'd go there's this place in miami in the, uh called the seaball building which is one just one fucking building 50 floors of, of like jewelry but um, but yeah, so I, I, I met Adam in Vegas and I was like, man, this guy cannot be the DJ because he would be just kind of like regular, yeah. you know, like he just rolled out of bed and went to the, Bro, venue yeah, collar shirt, his hair, like just out of bed, you know what I'm saying? It would be like a, a faded Wait, shirt, which yeah. was at that time, you know, was probably like an amazing, like tour shirt. Yeah. But to me, it's like, this nigga's wearing like a fucking faded ass shirt. <laughs> 
You know what I'm saying? It's not even crispy. What's going yeah. on? And then what would kill me was he would always have like just like two bags of records mm-hmm. and I'd have like 10 boxes. Right. He goes, yeah. this is all I need. I'm like, this guy's going to be fucking terrible. <laughs> he only has like 50 records here. And so I played that night with him. And you know, it's the, the obvious reaction that everyone does the first time you would hear him yeah. would be like, Holy shit. Holy <laughs> shit. What am I doing with my life? Because it's not even anywhere Close. near to what this guy's doing, like manipulating uh, the music and the wordplay. I was just kind of like, I'm rocking a party. Yeah. Right? And then at the same time I met AM, I, I met Mark. I met uh, Mark Ronson in New York. Mm-hmm. And fuck, I love Mark, man. And I would hear him do all these wordplay, but... Truth be told, man, those were fucking AM mixes, like transitions that oh, I would hear Mark do. Wow. Right? And in New York, you wouldn't hear him because Mark wasn't going, I mean, AM wasn't going to New York at that right, time. Right, right, And to Miami. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, no one knows this but me. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> There's no way he's going from Quiet Storm, the one, two, into the nothing but a G thing, one, two. Yeah, yeah. That's like a classic. That was big AM in New York, too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. Well, that's that what was it was. AM. That was Holy shit. AM. Because everybody way. in New York was doing that mix. Bro, I'm telling you. Because you heard it from Mark first. Yeah, and where do you think Mark heard it from? Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. B, I'm telling you. And and so, I look, to this day, there's little mixes that I do that are AM things that I know nobody knows but people that knew I am. Mm. I, w- like, I, I don't do it that much at all because, you know, the, the music's kind of not in what was big. But I would do the Slick Rick into the state property, Rock the Mic. Yeah. You know the Lottie Dottie? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. To rock the mic, right? Bum, I've bum, done bum, that bum, a few bum, times. And <laughs> I would do it, and people would lose their mind. They're like, oh, you are the best. I'm like, man, I hope no one from LA is here. And they're going to fucking tell him, and he's going to fucking tell me something. And then one day. I didn't know that was an AM mix also. Originally. Oh, my God. Damn, man. And I would sit there, and I, would, and I told him one day, man. The thing with, with, with Adam, every time he would come here, he was like a real DJ, man. He would be like, I need to know what's big in Miami. Right. He wouldn't be on that. Fuck that. I'm going to just play what I can play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But he's like, yo, I need this. I need this. So I would always be like getting two extra copies of everything for him. So all the slip and slide shit, oh, I need four of these. And I'd be like, you need this trick daddy. You need yeah. this Trina. You need this pit record. You need this, that. And you so, credited him. I mean, he you credited him as the first person to get you on Serato, right? Yeah, man. He bought me a, a laptop. The first one, and he get. I have his whole album. Uh-huh. He dumped his whole album, like his whole library, library, library. into shit. Because I was like, "Bro, I'm not doing that shit. That shit is never gonna be big. <laughs> I don't want to do." It. And he was like, "Yo, this is the next big thing." No, it ain't. No, it ain't. And he would come down to Miami, like you know, once every couple months, at the time. And then one time, he's like, "I'm not gonna let you be that guy, being the last guy." He opened the, you know, his bag, and he had like a, a MacBook Pro. Jeez, dude, that's love, man. And he man. put all his, that's love, all his stuff. Like even to this day, if I open my thing, I have all the AM drops, the Fat Man Scoop, AM Fat Man Scoop, DJ, all his Oasis drum breaks of uh, Wonderwall. Wow. And I hear it once in a while, and I try to do it, and I still can't do that fucking Wonderwall thing <laughs> that he does, you know. And um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go and Google it because YouTube that an, shit. Yeah, YouTube yeah. it, and yeah. it's amazing. But yeah, you know. Um, it's crazy, man. Like, I went through a bunch of bullshit. Uh, you know, as DJs, I went through bad depression. And he was like, you know, I tell people when I get into deep conversations that 
like I, I went through a bad divorce when I was in, in my early 20s. I blew my money gambling, which is why I don't go to Vegas a lot because mm. I had a terrible gambling problem. Terrible. I used to ask Sujit, cancel my shit. Uh, no, it went when when they offered me a residency there for a year. And it was a lot of fucking money. Because you were such a big DJ. And you were like, I would in the beginning, you were so mysterious because I was like, Mauricio, who's this? And then I would see pictures or, you know, I would see you and then you'd be like in chained out. And I'd be like, holy shit, like, how does a DJ become this successful and have all of these gold chains? But I would never get to see you. Like, it was, I, I, you I was know? the only dude, like, uh, of my boys that wasn't, like, you know, slanging drugs or bricks with money. And they couldn't believe that these people were paying me money like that. Yeah. Me and I were crushing it at the time. And I'll tell you in a minute, like, we and that bubble burst. But I, I would think you would have been in Vegas, and I didn't know at the but time. But so, so this is what happened. So when people ask me, like, the transitional thing was, look, so when I was doing Liquid and um, Barroom and all those clubs in, like, the late 90s into the 2000s, uh, Noah Teppenberg, who's, like, probably the biggest club. Yeah. Person mm -hmm. in the world, Noah, now. Noah yeah. and Jason Strauss. Talbot. Noah was at UM, strategic, yeah. Mm -hmm. Noah yeah. was going to school at UM. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. right. Yeah. So he was already down here, so you know, he probably went to Liquid. He probably, and so again, Richie Akiva, uh -huh. um, all the, all the big club people that, that now own clubs would come to Miami. Uh -huh. So when they would come to Miami, who would they listen to? Would be me at Opium, at Privé, any night that you, I'd be working every fucking night. So, you know, eventually all these guys open clubs. So when they open it, they're like, we need, you know, South Beach here, we, you know, because Miami Beach is such a nightclub thing. So they wanted me. So me and Ari were like, fuck, we're getting all this fucking offers everywhere. And then they're throwing fucking uh, contracts out. And again, it's not like the, like nowadays, like house DJs, but it was like, Six-figure fucking checks. Yeah, yeah. You know, half a million dollars for a year. And so Suja, you know Suja, he's like, you need to do that shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, bro, I can't, man. I'm. Listen, my gambling was so bad that I would go, let's say, to do like and make maybe like 10,000 bucks, right? And I'd get there and they'd give me the okie-doke, oh, your room's not ready. So I go walk around and I start gambling. By the time... I would even go to, I'd be in the hole like $30,000. So I'd be leaving, giving them money. And I did that in Vegas, in Reno, Atlantic City, Punta Cana, fucking uh, Connecticut, up in Mohegan Sun. So they, those would be the biggest checks, but I'd be gambling it before I even got it. And it'd be like that crackhead mentality, like, Oh, it doesn't matter. I lost 20. I'm working next day, three weeks, uh, three times, four times next week. Yeah. I'll be good. Make it up. Yeah, you're counting the money you haven't even worked for. Mm -hmm. So it was so bad. So I was turning away gigs that were, I shouldn't have, but I did. And um, Just because they were in casinos, right? In you casinos, just, yeah. man. And Damn, did you ever win, bro? I would win, but oh, okay. the only, you know... <laughs> It sounds like you just lost. I was like, damn, you were a bad gambler. No, but you win. But the thing is with the casinos, the only people who really win are people who never gamble, and then they win one time. If you play a lot, you're always, you know, the house always wins. Yeah. You know he, what I'm saying? He could have been. He probably was up 50K, and then he just kept playing. Correct. Like you eventually break even. You win, uh, and correct. then you lose. And, and then, then kind of even. Probably, like, he, he probably lost. Even when I lost, 
right? Let's say I'd lose 10 grand and I'd win back eight. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be like, damn, I won eight grand back. I'm like, I'm going to keep playing and yeah. trying to win that extra 1100 bucks. I lose another 20. <laughs> and then let's say he was up. Let's say he was up 20 grand. He's like, damn, I want to hit 50. Right. You're so, never right. content. Okay. You become like a, you know, you're it's, just chasing that high. Addicted. It's, right. like well, it's, it's yeah. a drug. Like I went to, I went to a doctor who explained to me like, you, you release enzymes when you gamble. It's like when you do like heroin. Yeah. When the high is high, oh, when yeah. you're winning, you feel like a high. And then when you're losing, you're like miserable and depressed and shit like that. Yeah. So anyways, I was super fucking depressed. I had a bad breakup with my wife. I got married young. Some fucking model. I went through that model phase for like 10, 12 years. And um, before that, it was great because I never fucked around with models. And now I'm doing all these like, I'm like, these fucking girls like me. <laughs> They never liked yeah, yeah. me a year ago, and now they're there. But, yeah, I went through all this bullshit, and when I hit rock bottom, honestly, I didn't talk to my parents for shit like that. You know, I would tell my mom everything's good. I have money. Mind you, I have, like, nothing. But I'm working at the best clubs in the fucking country, and I'm knocking down, like, the best girls. If I tell you, I'm not going to say names, but, like, famous <laughs> girls, you know, <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I can imagine. You're in like the fucking supermodel hub over here. Bro, I mean, if you say it, you'll bleep it out. <laughs> no, I can bleep no, it no. out, bro. I got you. I'm not bleeping it out. Because <laughs> I, I did that once and then I got in trouble, man. I got your pack. Yeah. I, I so, know. I, but I know what was going on. I, yeah, saw, I, saw, I saw that shit. Yeah, yeah. And so I was at rock bottom and the only one that helped me, not only one, but he was the only genuine person that could understand yeah, yeah. Was, was, was AM because. Yeah. He always had issues, vices, you know, with, with, with alcohol and women, mm-hmm. you know, and it takes a DJ to understand, you the know, life, the lifestyle, our lack yeah. of sleeping, yeah. our fucking, like, I'm deaf in one ear. I have like a ruptured eardrum in one ear. Our, our, our diet's terrible. We have no kind of, like, we have nothing. We have the couple hours at night, and I tell people, like, when I've had, like, the, the greatest times of my life, I've probably been by myself in the club, yeah. right? I've met... Michael Jordan, I met fucking Prince and there was nobody there. And then when I've had like the lowest times and New Year's by myself, how many years have you been New Year's like by myself? I I, I call my mom an hour before or the next day and here I am getting the bag, miserable as fuck. You know what I'm saying? I'm like literally crying inside and you know, I'm like, oh, I'll be fine. And after, you know, it takes a toll and people never uh, realize that. Um, I got a long talk with Jermaine Dupri about that, that um, we go, we like pound that pavement so hard and people just look at, at the good shit and they don't see how fucked up our shit is, man. Yeah. Like we live on planes. We're always in hotels. We have no real friends. Our real friends hang out with you. You know, the first year you're doing good. After a while, they're like, they got a girl, they got a kid, they got married. You know what I'm saying? And then all the people around you are, are just kind of people around you. So, but yeah, so I was fucked up and he helped me out. Um, he helped me go uh, to rehab when I was depressed. And, um, you know, he didn't have to. Yeah, no yeah. one else did. He was beyond busy at that point. It wasn't like, oh, it was a downtime for him. That was like a, at his peak. Called all the time, every day. Um, he'd come by my house every time he'd uh, come to Miami. And then, you know... And the same with me. I would go with him to his AA. When he would come to Miami, I'd go and sit there with him. And it was just like this unspoken shit nobody, I never told anyone about. Mm. Like, I would see him, you know, when every time he would come here, 
And um, then he'd go back to his hotel. And then I'd see him at the club. Oh, we're in the club, shit like that. But no one knows, you know, what transpired throughout the day and early. And it was like that for like 10 plus years. Yeah. You know, so when he, when he passed, oh, I mean, even when he, when he had the, the, the plane crash, yeah, yeah. I'm like, fuck, man. And then, you know. Well, how did, how did that affect you, like, you know, bro, hearing that, man? I, the two things that have fucked me the, the, the worst in my life, I flew into New York on 9-11 on a plane that fucking morning. My plane was like on, on fucking, what do you call it when they're just um, circling around? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're like a, a, on that pattern just fucking. Uh, oh, in circling. the air? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, on why the, are we on the morning that the morning of 9/11, oh, shit. me and Raul, Raul was flying in on another fucking wow. plane, one oh, of my shit. best friends, and uh, that fucked me up. I didn't fly for two years. I would drive to New York four times a month. Drive to New York. How long was that? I would drive, pay my right? boy 24 hours nonstop. Holy shit. We'd go with three people. You drive 12 hours. You drive 12 hours. I'd leave oh at 8 p.m. God. I'd get there 4 p.m. And if you had to piss or shit, it's when we put gas, get food, piss shit, because we're, we're getting there. Sounds, I did that for for two years, man. My that, was, that sounds miserable, bro. It was, it was a rough. That, it was terrible, man. And and I had like bad panic attacks even to this day, man. I have I feel like PTSD from that shit. Um, and then after that, it was probably when uh, when Ann passed because I was with him the day before. Um, in New York. In New York. Wow. And I was supposed to meet with him that day. Um, and then I remember. To this day, man, I started getting texts. And this was when I was living in New York. I moved to New York for a few years. Um, you know, my phone started blowing up. And uh, it was like on the news. And I didn't believe it. I was like, nah, bro. I just texted him like an hour ago. I just talked to him earlier. I was with him yesterday. And uh, that shit had me fucked up for like a year. I couldn't go to his funeral. Uh, I couldn't talk to anyone. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I think I, I never talked to anyone really about it. I, I talked to my therapist. Mm. That's why I've been in therapy for fucking like 10 years, man. And um, Did you rush to the site? I didn't rush, man. I didn't, you know, they told me he, he had passed. What was I running there for? I, there's nothing there I want to see. You know, what am I going to... Um, I remember I, ended, I, 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 I called his mom... But it was like super brief, and I just didn't want to deal with none of that shit. And uh, the funeral they did, I didn't. I just didn't want to do none. Of, deal with none of it. It was like too much for me to deal with. It's like yeah, you didn't want to. It's like you had to say goodbye almost, right? Like uh, I didn't get to say goodbye. Yeah, I, I yeah. talked to him the day before, and it was just about regular bullshit or the day of. Yeah. And um. Did he sound fine on the day of? He was fine, man. I know he was doing that MTV show that he would follow around like mm-hmm. people with addiction. And I, uh, people would tell me, you know, I don't know if that's the best thing for him to be around that because he would go to actual people that were yeah, doing that, drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their houses and stuff like Correct. that. Correct. And so, you know, I was like, nah, man, homeboy almost died in a car crash. He's cool. way too strong to be like that. And he never acted. I never got a red flag for me personally. And a lot of people said that, that they didn't, he was okay. Like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, he never, he wanted to work. Like right. he, yeah. he was working. He he threw out a pitch at, 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 at the Mets game. Yeah, he went on tour with uh, Jay Z, right? Yeah. yeah, right after that yeah. whole thing went down. Like he wanted to do that shit. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. like opportunities that he wanted to do. Yeah, he wanted you know? to change. Like he had a, a bunch of like moments that that you know that changed his life. And so his thing was he wanted to make an impact. Right. To change addicts, 
people that were depressed, DJs, you know. It was important because he was even there for you. Like, it was obvious that he cared about that shit. You know Yo, what I man, mean? Yeah. Like, he was there when a lot, like, most people that are my friends weren't there. And they were there, but not to the extent. I feel like, again, he knew my pain and my depression and my addictions and all that shit because he, he had the same prior and probably at that point as well. And again, he didn't have to. He was yeah. fucking super famous at that point, right. making millions of dollars. And why would he give a shit about me? I don't live in L.A. He didn't see me all the time. Yeah. And he did. And so to me, you know what I'm saying? I know that when he passed, it was in the process of him trying to help everyone. He was trying to help DJs make more money, uh, be healthier, uh, uh, overcome addiction, depression. That no one, look, he passed away. No one gives a fuck about us being depressed. Right. No one gives a fuck if we have health care. What do we do if we lose our money? Mm-hmm. Until then, it's been 10 years. No, You know, as DJs, we don't, we don't look, I don't want to say we don't look out for each other, but there's no one that looks out for us. We're just kind of like freelance, you know what I'm saying, ourselves. And if we lose our money, we're broke. Well, he really understood. He was a working, he was like a working DJ that kind of blew up. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he was a working club DJ that just blew up and he was that's why i think he realized like the he was kind of our like we championed him a little bit because you know everyone was kind of like a superstar but he was really came up from from nothing then he was in like iron man movies he was in entourage mm-hmm. and he had like a nike sneaker and we were like yeah. we were all like yo this is like one well, of he was like the, up, like, right he was like the culture you know what i'm saying yeah. he's like a philly kid who moved to la and learned uh he he didn't learn. He's just the culture. He likes sneakers. Yeah. He likes like like the t-shirts that we he all was like, wore. He was like one of us that made it. That just he kinda, made it. Yeah. So we were like, damn, our our boy made it. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And on top of that, he was amazing. Like the the the. It was just like frustrating to people because he was fucking amazing as a DJ. Even if you didn't like anything else about him, you cannot listen to him and say, yo, he's terrible because he he could play a song that you don't like, but the way he manipulated the song. With the song before and after, you'd be like, fuck yeah, me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? How does he even, you know, calculate the songs and put them together? And yeah. I'd be like, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, to me, I, I still get super sad, man, that a bunch of, I feel like there's a bunch of younger kids that don't know what it is to be a good DJ, you know what I'm saying? To what it is, what it is to mean to make it. Yeah. Because after him, who's really made it that big? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm in saying. In the open format world, no one. <laughs> or hip hop wise, neither. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. that. After that, the EDM thing, and he was ahead with the Daft Punk stuff. You know, yeah. he'd be. I mean, Steve Aoki. He helped Steve Aoki learn how to DJ. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. I remember yeah. he would bring Steve Aoki to the fucking clubs uh-huh. down here, and he'd have him watching him play. And I and I see Steve Aoki, and I saw his his documentary, and that dude put him on. You How'd you feel saying? about the documentary? I think it's dope, man. Steve is, you know, he's, he's he's an amazing dude. You know what I'm saying? I know he also has like very like personal attachments with with Adam. Um, and again, even if you didn't know him, man, you know he he contributed to the way you 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 play your music yeah. because it, he made you work more. You know, what you would watch him play and you'd be like, damn, I'm fucking lazy, yeah, because yeah, here I am just that. playing a record, mm-hmm. and he's doing. Like, even before the Serato, shit with the Serato, it's like he had, like, he would say, Mauricio's like, I have 10 hands with the Serratos and the Q points. But before then, you would be like, man, he knows 
every part of the record, mm-hmm. every snare, every kick, every word, and he would wordplay better than anyone. I remember him listening to him in L.A., and somehow he was able to um, did the Wonder War remix on yeah. vinyl before survival. And that was that's kind of hard to do because yeah, he kept yeah. cutting it up and the breakbeat was yeah. just going. And I was thinking, how the fuck is he doing this? Does he have like three, four turntables? <laughs> he amazing. just had two turntables. I'm just like, holy shit. And the way he like switched it off quickly, I was just like, wow. It was yeah. just quick, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. He's amazing, man. But again, he uh, besides the DJ, he was just kind of like an amazing human being, you know. And, and uh, you know, he'll always live, 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 live uh, through through DJs, man, and if if you're young or younger and you don't know who he is, um, his documentary's out, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you can you can. Did you see that or no, bro? I didn't watch it for like three, four years. Like it, it, I watched it it's, honestly like a year ago, it's and rough. I watched it by myself, Ugh. and I would like literally start like crying. Not like I I don't I'm not I'm not gonna say I didn't cry, but I'm not like crying like breaking down. But I'd be like a rock in my fucking stomach, and I couldn't watch. And then, like, two days later, I start again from there. And it took me, like, a week to watch it. And I'm like... It's not an easy thing to watch, Oh, my watch, God, man. it's terrible, Toward, Towards man. the end, it was like, I got depressed. Well, because we sad. know no, what's yeah. the inevitable, what's, what's going to happen. Right. And I didn't want to start watching because I know how it ends, you know? It's like, you know how the movie ends, and you're, you're still going to watch it. And, um, you know, when you see it, I would just timeline myself. Mm-hmm. I was here. I talked to him that day. I saw him that day, bro. That shit is terrible, man. Like, and I've watched it only once. Yeah. And I still haven't mm-hmm. watched it again. And I was gonna play for my friend a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't. I just, I don't know. It's a touchy thing for me, you know. Uh, it's funny because nowadays, like, I think like when AM was around, there was a kind of a unity, like everyone kind of like you know he was always around for people. And I didn't even really know him. Like, I, he would probably see me around. I'd see him around. Right. But it was one of those things where, like, I felt like there was more of a unity. And, and we were kind of proud of him. Like, he was kind of our spokesperson. Like, he would, like, he would do dope shit. We'd be like, yo, man, like, there's, like, this is dope. Like, he's representing for the DJs like us and shit. And I think when he passed, I feel like it became every DJ for himself. And it was like, and then people, there was this like maybe fake narratives of dudes pretending to help other people or being like right. this this mm-hmm. dude, but they weren't with with AM. I feel like he really felt like he really looked out for motherfuckers he and did. cared about them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I felt like he, I felt like he brought back Jazzy Jeff because yeah. at one point Jazzy Jeff wasn't doing parties enough. Yeah, that that's and a then, dude that he looked up to, and that was like his, well, he loved you know? the culture. Yeah. He he wanted to empower himself, the people under him, and even the people he looked up to. Yeah, because he would go. Yo, he would go see like Kid Capri or he would go see Jazzy Jeff and he'd be like in awe, you know what I'm saying? Like watching them still. You know, like when when we go watch DJs, like I have to go, I have to do an event with Kid Capri and I haven't played with Kid Capri in like shit, like 15 years. And I'm going to sit there in awe because I still think to me, he's fucking what I've always 20 years wanted to be like, Mm -hmm. right? And so I would see... AM be like at the top there and he would go look at like Jazzy Jeff or Kikapri or any of those guys that he looked up to and he'd be like a little kid looking at them like in awe so to me when he did the, the Jazzy Jeff thing it was like you know what I'm saying he he just he wanted to help the whole DJ culture it wasn't him like oh I made it I'm dating you know supermodels da, 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 I'm making millions of dollars he'd be like let me try to do uh, 
help. Uh, he had his uh, DJ. Uh, his management group. His management yeah. group. Dexter. And again, and it was never a hatred with scam. It was never. He was just trying to like. I mean, it was a little like it was competition, but yeah. yeah, yeah. But competition's like, yeah. part of it, you know yeah. what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's always going to be a little competition. There's a little business. I heard, you know, there's a little business competition here and there. Mm-hmm. So, but he looked out. so like with with 9/11 and then with like AM's kind of like plane crash with Travis and everything, that really affected like out of town gigs for you, right? For sure, like two three years, I I didn't fly. And I would literally drive to New York, to Chicago, to Boston. I wouldn't even, LA wouldn't even be an option because I was like, I'm not driving the fuck out there. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I, I would remember like some people, I would, there would be like rumors of like, Mauricio doesn't fly anymore. And then sometimes, some, somehow they'd be like, yo, we, we booked Mauricio for like Memorial Day weekend. And I remember like, he's not going to show up, man. He's not going to get on the plane. Yo, that would be the thing. Yeah. Like, for years, it'd be like... It'd be like a pool of people betting, is he getting on the plane this time? Yeah. And I'd be like, I'm going, and then I wouldn't go. I'm like, Because I get that. the call. They'd be like, yo, uh, Mauricio's booked for, like, Saturday, but he might not be there, so we're going to have you, like... Be on standby. Be on standby or whatever, or like, whatever. And I'd like be like... The understudy of the play. Yeah. You know, yeah. ready to know your lines, because it might not happen. You might be sick. And I'd be like, I'd be, I'd be amped. I'd be like, yo, man, I want to hear Mauricio in Vegas. I want to, like, that. And then... You'd be like, yeah, yeah, he didn't make it, man. And they'd be like, yeah. yeah. There've been times like he was scheduled to do party, do Vegas, and I'd be like, damn, I want to check Mauricio. He's like, nah, he ain't coming. He yeah. didn't show up. <laughs> Bro, I was in a dark place, man, and it was just kind of like the reason. And this is what I tell you: me and Irie were making so much money here in Miami at at the clubs here. There was nobody else. It was just me and Irie working all the clubs, and we were under contract for Roman, who had OPM Mansion Privé. Sure, the, was the club for a bunch, so he would pay us like, bro. I'll tell you because if, I'm not gonna lie, he would give us like between a thousand and two thousand a night at that time. Mind you, we're working five days a week, so we're clearing ten bands without leaving. This is 2004, 2005. Everyone else is making five hundred dollars, so me and I were sitting there just like shit. So <laughs> when they're like, hey, do you want to come to New York? Man, fuck that. I, I'm going to make the same stain here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I sleep on my bed. And- yeah, you know what I'm saying? So it was just, it, it was one of those things. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, but when, when Opium Group ultimately, you know, they had their decline a little bit. Right. Did that affect, because you were kind of like their golden boy, you and Irie. Right. Did that affect how you how you were DJing? Well, that's when group? I was like, hey, Sujit, so uh, what's up with Vegas? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what's up with LA? And then that's when I... I mean, for years, I didn't fly for like three years, maybe four, almost four. And when I tell you, I went to acupuncture, hypnotherapist, uh, Santeria. I was, oh, shit. I did everything. You went to the, to the My gee, I was putting yeah. fruits in the ocean. Like, I don't know who I was praying to at that point. You know, guys were like spraying me down. You know what I'm saying? Pause. Hey, Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, yo. Heavy pause on that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> my, first of all, <laughs> that, may be, yeah, that may be one of the craziest spots. <laughs> I don't get I, I said this on the radio in New York. I don't get that. The no homo and pause thing is like some New York shit for me. Yeah. Because here. We just say what we say, yeah. and now I got to catch myself with the no, no, pause no, no, and no. a homo. 
But yeah, <laughs> now we let a, I let a, I let a, a, a couple go by. Yeah, I've been letting more go by in Miami. I've been like yeah. letting it go. I just let it be. I mean, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. I laugh until you come. But that shit was nuts. But yeah, so I didn't fly, and then the only thing that honestly made me fly was making money. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna sit here. The you know the piggy bank that was giving me an hour money is like drying up, and the ones who have real money is going to Vegas, right. going to LA, or going anywhere, Chicago, you know, because me and Irie were like here, brand wise, and every club <laughs> wanted the Miami guys there, right? Because yeah. they pitched South Beach, and South Beach was the cool shit, because there could be clubs anywhere, but. The cool clubs aren't Miami Beach clubs, you know what I'm saying? So they wanted the Miami Beach clubs, DJ. So, but y'all were like, y'all was y'all were like some of the best. Y'all were dope, man. Like, like even in when coming to Miami and hearing y'all, like, I can't even compare y'all to New York DJs. You know what I'm saying? Because at the time, was well, different. Because it's different, cause, but you you guys were scratching more. Well, you were scratching more out here yeah. because in New York there was a time in the 2000s where they wouldn't let us scratch, so right. we we never heard scratching. And then when you were when you when I would come to hear you, I'd be like, "Oh shit, this motherfucker's cutting it up." Yeah. Quick mixing, doing yeah, you was doing everything. To me, I, I feel like I just kind of incorporated everything. Like, yeah. I I grew up listening. I like I told you the dance music shit like that, but at that time it was all rock on MTV, and my house was all fucking Spanish merengue salsa. So I have all this music. You know, I'm getting like ear fucked again. Um, so when I got to play. I remember, and again, AM would tell me, bro, man, I'm like, yo, you're the greatest, you're the greatest. He goes, yo, you're better than me. And I'm like, bullshit. He goes, because you play the rock, and you, you, like, I would try to mimic Stretch Armstrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Before I met AM, it was like, I would listen to Stretch play the Beatles and shit like that. I heard Mark, then I heard AM. So I would incorporate, but I would incorporate like the Spanish shit that none of those guys would play. So now that when you hear people play all that Spanish shit, People are like, damn, you played that shit. Peak hour, biggest club. Even like anywhere that I'd be in New York, anywhere I'm playing Carlos Vives at the time, in, in you know, while I'm playing like some dance shit. And people are like, what the fuck is he doing? Then when they see it work, you know, it's that whole thing. They don't want to play it, but when they see it works, they're like, oh, it worked. Let me, I need that record. You know what I'm saying? Because that works. And um, so, so to me, I, I feel like when I go to New York, even when I, I, I went to LA for a, a lot of time, I started doing shit with, um, well, I did Playhouse uh, a bunch, but then I started doing like the Black Hollywood shit. I was doing the shit with the Supreme Team on Tuesdays, like at oh, Supper yeah. Club. Yeah. I was going there every fucking Tuesday, every fucking Tuesday, wow. right? And I went there one time, shout out Johnny Cruz, because he brought me out there. And um, I was like, oh shit, never been to a fucking all black like Hollywood club. I played there, and I play how I play here. Motherfucker's mouth were like falling down. Like he plays like my, you know, like South shit. I'm playing Gucci and Jeezy, the way I know how to play. Mm-hmm. In LA, they don't play it that way, no. right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, what year was this around? 2012, 2011. Yeah. 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 This was. I remember I caught uh, Mauricio a few times at Playhouse, and it was a certain way he would DJ. But across the street at Supper Club, it was way different. It's like two different worlds. Oh my gee, I loved it. I was like, yo, and I would play like I'm playing like like a like a hood spot here in Miami. Yeah. And so to me, they didn't never heard at least at that party, right? And I did one guest spot and then they're like, Hey, do you wanna come back next week? And then it was like once a month and it was like every other week. Then I was playing literally every week out there. 
And um, then I was just over it. I was like, I can't do this fucking flight every fucking week, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was fucking over it. But um, yeah, to me, I incorporate, I feel like I play a little like how I've heard Laz play, Clark Kent, Kid Capri, AM. And I take, I don't want to say the best. I, I, I take what I like from theirs mm -hmm. and then I incorporate mine. And so you get like a little bit of everything. If you hear me play, I play hip hop the way I feel it should be played, the way I like to hear it played. To some people, they, they might think I'm, I quick mix too much. But um, it's worked. I've been doing it 20 plus years and I, I've never had a job in my life. Yeah. You know, I've never had a, a boss. I've never had anything. You know what I'm saying? Everything I've had, the house that I own, the car that I that I own, is all been off of playing music. And a lot of people can't say that. Mm -hmm. Are you comfortable uh flying now or is it still Bro Do you have like a, a system or yeah, yeah? I figured so to me Tell me your system. This is the system. You guys I'm gonna help you out. Okay. Yeah, because I, I used to hate if we all got on a plane, all my friends would fucking fall asleep and I'd be like this for five hours, miserable, you know, like yeah. um and I'd be like, What the fuck, man? And I'd be like, Let me take uh uh melatonin Right or let me take a, a what's the sleeping pill that that you take a, a Ambien yeah right and I was like I can't be addicted to fucking Ambien yeah, yeah. going to New York on a tour yeah. trip yeah. um, I only take Ambien when I go like to Japan and shit because <laughs> I'm not trying to be up there. eighteen hour flights is crazy that Ambien's like a dart to your neck and it's mm. anyways but so I figured out the trick is for me you take the flight when you usually go to sleep. That being said, for me, my whole life, I go to sleep six, seven in the morning, right? So I started, I, I always like to take the late flight because I was like, I'll take the late flight, eat, play, leave. Right. But I'd be wide awake. And the New York flights were, weren't a big deal for me, but the LA flights and the long flights, the Vegas flights, I was like, fuck this. But um, once I started adjusting it to taking six, I, if you look, any of my bookers or you ask Sujit, he knows first slide in, first slide out. Mm. So I go straight from the club. Dude, I got to go, oh, let's go eat. Or some girl stay at my house. Nah, bitch, I got to go. You know, my flight's <laughs> leaving. I got to go to sleep in the plane. Yeah. And I'm not fucking that shit up. Um, so I learned if I, if for me, if I book the flight, when I usually naturally go to sleep, which is five, six, seven o'clock, I started falling asleep, right? And this was before all this bullshit. Now, yeah, I put in like sleeping sounds on my fucking iPhone or whatever, you know, works. But I, once I started doing that, it took me a while. But now I'm like this, man, on the plane. Nice. There's no issues whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I fly whenever, but I, I, most of the time I'll, I'll, I'll fly into your city in the morning. That's dope. Nice. And then I want to talk about, are there any like new, like uh, any new like generation DJs that you hear nowadays that, that you're kind of feeling? And then... How do you how do you think the new generation approaches DJing uh, compared to us? Because we, you know, a lot of us started from vinyl to right. Serato, but now there's probably this this new generation that just went straight to Serato or like these DJ, you know, these uh, what do you call those? The the oh, like the controllers, controllers. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. You know the fucked up shit is I tell all these young kids when when they met, they have me do panels or I go to like to the Scratch Academies and shit like that. Yeah. When we, I'm assuming all of us use vinyl, right? Yeah. Here, yeah. Everyone yeah. here. When we wanted a song and we didn't know, I would ask, 
I would hear Tony Touch, what is that? Oh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. I'd go, look, oh, I need Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. And they didn't have a single. I, you'd buy the al- album. You'd listen to the whole fucking thing. And then you'd like fall in love with the Earth, Wind, and Fire right. or anyone else. And those kids will never, ha- or not kids, but the younger DJs don't have the opportunity to do that. But they do because they have fucking infinite albums here. They choose not to, which is what I don't understand because for me... I guess there is something nice about listening to an album, whatever, but you have the opportunity, if you wanted to, listen to whatever you want. They just choose not to. Mm-hmm. So just by you choosing not to, being able to listen to it in the car, mm-hmm. while you're in the bathroom, anywhere, that makes you a worse DJ. Just by that, to me, as a DJ, you lose points for that because you don't want to educate yourself into learning music. You just want to play that one record because you don't know, you might actually fucking like the guy or other artists that are similar. Mm-hmm. And and you're doing a disservice. That's why I feel most DJs, to your question, most younger DJs aren't that good. I'm not dissing them, it's just a fact. I can't name you. If you said, oh, who do you think the next, I won't say am, but like a, the next huge DJ from Miami is? Bruh, I don't know. Uh, Cass is, like, like you said. Yeah. He's dope. Um, uh, <laughs> Dizza? <laughs> oh, yeah. Shout out, Adrian. Shout out, Dizza. Dizza's, but Dizza caught, like, the tail end. Dizza opened for me a bunch of times. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And his best friend is one of my best yeah. friends, too. So, you know, we kind of... I actually feel like there's a, there's, a, there's a few dudes in Dizza's generation. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a few dudes. I think bef- before him, I think it's a little... I think it's a little rough. Mm-hmm. But I also think... I think sometimes the the social media and the marketing takes uh, like uh, takes more get gets more attention than the actual music catalog, like you said. You know what I mean? And well, social media has messed it all up because yeah. it's you DJs care more about their social media than fucking learning about and the your only, music. The only reason why they care about social media more is because the nightclubs and everyone who's booking cares more about it. Well, I was telling you, remember? It's part. It's like you said. It's part of your protocol now. Yeah. I need you to do this many posts. Yeah. I need you to mm-hmm. mentions. I need you to do this. I need yeah. you to do that. And um, again, I don't hear the club style and Calvin Harris to fucking do posts. You know what I'm saying? But us as a hip hop culture, we always settle. I've said this for fucking years, man. Like we should be making way more money. Mm-hmm. We should, but we, we accept always not less, but we don't know any better. But we've been saying that now 20 years later. I remember when I was young, it's like, oh, yeah, we'll take less money because we don't know any better. But 20 years now, you know what I'm saying? I'm like 40, and I'm saying the same fucking excuses 20 years ago. So in 20 yeah. years, we haven't done shit. Mm-hmm. We're still fucking taking, oh, we went from $500 when I was 18 to $1,000, $1,500. That's it. Yet the EDM guys figured it out, and they're making $100,000 and the the club owners don't tell them shit. But when it's a, a hip hop DJ, I need you to come here. I need you to try to book a table. I need you to post and do the live and do an IG live when you're here. Yo, get the fuck out of here, man. But <laughs> if I don't do it, there's 10 DJs that will. Yeah. And they'll do it for a quarter of the amount of money. And that's the fucked up shit of this game. You, you have a son. Right. Super cute son. Looks yes. just like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who DJs? Who DJs? But I, I'm wondering, you know, because like when I'm, I'm not, I don't have a kid, but I'm imagining if I ever had a kid, I would see a lot of things different. My perspective on how 
DJing because you, you're trying to teach them a little bit and you want you don't want to be like an overbearing father. You want them to kind of love the craft and kind of gravitate to it on it. Well, let me tell own, you, right? for me, even before the DJ thing as a dad thing, you know, us DJs were always like, you know, city, city throwing our fucking dick around everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Whatever, whatever happens, happens. I won't be back there. I don't know her. But once you have a kid, <laughs> to all the DJs who have a kid, you understand where I come from. Like, to me, I was in and out of Miami every other day, two, three times a week. Once I had my kid, man, I was like, nothing's going to change. Man, shit changes, man. Because I like being here for my kid. Mm-hmm. I've compromised mm-hmm. work, travel. But when initially I didn't, I was miserable that I wasn't, you know what I'm saying? I feel like, oh, I'm not, you know, that, that, that cliche, I'm not getting those hours back that day back with my kid. So I was like, man, I'm at my happiest when I'm doing shit with my kid. I still DJ, I still do the radio. I got a bunch of new music that I'm putting out, yeah. stuff like that. But to me, yeah, it would be awesome. It would be dope if he's a DJ. He he likes fucking around with the. With he is a DJ. I mean, he's on the. He loves the, it. Yeah, yeah. He loves it. But did he did he just watch you and and get interested? Yeah, or? I mean, I think when you're a kid, anything that spins around is going to catch your eye. <laughs> and then when you have music, you know the sound it makes when you touch it. Yeah. I mean, even as grown-ups, you know what I'm saying? We see a turntable anywhere, and, we, and you want to go and, and, and move it back and forth. Your kid loves the music. He's dancing. Loves he's it. scratching. He's doing the whole thing. Loves yeah. the dances. He knows more music than most adults. That's he's dope. grown up at the radio. I've done my radio. He used to be in the holster. I used to do the radio with him in the holster. <laughs> and he used to be crazy. crying the first time he'd hear the music loud or hear me yelling on the mic on the radio. And he got used to it. Now, bro, he sees... Any artist. Oh, yeah, I know Pitbull. I know Fat Joe. I just saw him over here, this and that. Like nothing. He's he's just kind of grown in the in the industry thing. But again, you know, as a dad who's a DJ, I would love him to be a DJ. If he doesn't want to be a DJ, then yeah. that's cool. Because I was talking to Laz about it, too. Like, his son is DJing. But he didn't. And he just, like, he now he's good. Yeah. His son is, like, dope. I saw him cutting. Like, yeah, yeah. But, but um, he said, like, he, was, he took a step back, and his son just... Right. Kind of DJed on his own. And, because people yeah. for years would say, yo, man, your son's got, got to be a DJ. And he would yeah. be like, yeah, he kind of, you know, fucks around with it. Yeah. But he, he would say, oh, he's kind of like uh, shy to do it in front of people. Right, right. But I've seen homie, like I, like when his dad goes to open up like these big shows for Pitt or something. Yeah, yeah. And he calls his son out there. And he cuts probably as good as his dad now. His hand, wow. Laz's hands might have gone a little slower, man. But his kids, his kids are, his kids cut, man. But th- but that's amazing to see your kid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you want your kid to surpass you and do greater things than yourself. And um, what's the main thing you would tell, like you know, when your when your son gets older? Well, what's the main thing you would tell him? The number one thing about DJing. About DJing. Yeah. The the number one advice. You gotta love it, man. You, uh, DJing is a thing. It's it's like a a craft that it's like passion driven. You can't do it for money. You can't do it for anything else, man. If you love music, music has a bunch of avenues. You can do again production. You can do radio. If you like to DJ just because you like to DJ, you can't do it for money. Because I was broke forever, just like probably all of us mm-hmm. were at some point with no money. And then at some point. The money comes, man, but you, you can't do it because of money. Um, and again, if it, if it's just a side thing for him, that's amazing too. You know what I'm saying? Because he might grow into it more later on. 
than I do. You know, the, the paths are never the same. I got to a certain point at a certain age and some other people got big later on and you never know, you know? Yeah. When you're, you, you're like linked to a bunch of artists. Like you, produ- right. you, you've been making songs for a minute. You've been producing for a minute. You get like Rick Ross on there. You get all of these big rappers on there. Did you get in contact with these, a lot of these rappers through the nightclubs or was it through radio, you think? Um, a little, a bit little of both. both. Yeah. But the, the radio is always, always helps because they'll bring you the artists when they're new. So you get a jump start on all the new artists. When I've passed on artists that thought never were going to be big. To this day, I say uh, Ray Shrummer, they brought him to the radio. And I always do these side interviews and freestyles. I'm like, man, they're not going to do anything, you know? <laughs> then I remember a week later, I, I went to L.A. and they were in the popular demand store uh-huh. performing, right? They were doing a I no flex know. zone. Yeah. Yeah. And, I'm, they were, and they did it here. And they were doing it ever at every club. I'm like, bruh, these guys aren't doing anything with their life. Right? <laughs> Bro, two months later. My G, I, t- I tell uh, Slim Jimmy that when I, when I saw him and he laughs. But that's 20 years of radio. I can name you a million people. I thought that. Even with Pitt. Pitt's my dog. And he would bring me music and I'm like, what is this, man? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The thing is with music, you got to find the niche or your sound. And once you see that people like it, then you press, you know, you press the gas on it. And um, that's what it is. With the radio, you just kind of get exposure to artists. To this day, as soon as I'm on the air, a million artists DM me. I'm the next guy. Everyone's the next guy. I'm the one. I'm the next guy. I'm the, I'm the next Rick Ross. I'm the next Kodak. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. Or maybe they will be. But, um, but yeah, so when, with the radio, you have the labels will bring them in when they're new. You build that relationship. And then when they pop, you're good because you're like, hey, remember... I was yeah. playing when, your record. Was, yeah, when was, you weren't yeah. shit, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Even though I didn't think and you were And you were like, shit. yeah, and, and you know, and, and I've helped indirectly grassroots a shitload of artists. Any um, particular artists? That, what, that I've helped? Any, yeah. Bro, everyone from 2003 to now, mm. T.I., G.Z., I mean, a all the Miami s- guys. A lot of South rappers. All the South guys, because uh-huh. the South guys always came around here. Yeah. David Banner, um... But even like the the newer guys, Pump, Kodak. Hmm. Um, what about X? Oh my God, X is the homie man, because uh, when he got out of uh, prison the first time, he came to the radio. No, I was talking about X Tentacion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. When he first when he got out of prison, I thought you were talking DMX. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, wrong when, X. Yeah, when when Triple X came came out of prison the first time, they brought him to the radio, and again I was like, who the fuck is this kid with the fucking tattoos and shit like that, because. You know, the, the younger wave of kids all look the same. They have the dreads, they color their hair, the oh, tattoos on their up. face. Yeah. I get it. Right? Like that I, little Wayne syndrome. Kind of I'm not, not going to be the guy saying, yo, you look crazy, because I was like that. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? So he came and he gave us his whole story. And he was like, not weird, but like weird, that like captivating. So we were like, man, there's something special about this mm. kid. And he blew up. And he was like one of those Mauricio. I get funny stories because Kodak, people are in prison. You know, when you're in prison, they play the radio. It's like terrestrial yeah, radio. Yeah, yeah. So people are locked up. They listen to me on radio. And since I'm always on the radio, Kodak, oh, I heard you on the radio. XO, when I'm locked up, they always got the hip-hop station on. Mm-hmm. This kid, Anuel, who's like Anuel, huge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was locked up. Right? That's my dog. Yeah. 
he was locked up here. He, I was, I was with him the other day, and he, he while we were walking around, he's, hey, you know, I, I listened to you on the radio. I'm like, man, this guy's fucking bullshitting me. Uh-huh. He ain't listening to me on the radio. I'm, and I was like, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, no, because I know you have a Beyonce drop. I know he's naming all these drops. And I'm like, yo, and it's always the, yo, when I'm locked, you know, when we're locked up, you listen to what's on. And so they listen to you. So Kodak and, and X said the same thing. And, and uh, me and him bonded. I'm not going to say we're best friends like that, but we bonded. He gave me his number. And then I hit him like, yo, let's link up. Let's go to the studio. Dude, the kid would FaceTime me all the time. Even when he blew up, all when he would get all that backlash with this and that, and then again he was here for like six months, eight months, and then he was like gone, taken away from the world. Yeah, it's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, is that like uh, him getting like kind of robbed in his own neighborhood, pretty much? Right. He was leaving. Like, he was leaving like a, a like a an ATV, like a scooter place. He was buying like an ATV. Is that like a, was is that a like a, an odd scenario for Miami? No, nah, nah. man. Here they they run up on you anywhere. Yeah. Here, like, even if like even if they know you're like the hometown hero, it's just. I don't like, care, man. Yeah. When you're broke, man, and you got something that I want, and I don't want to fucking work for it, I'm yeah. taking it from you. And if I'm not, we are, and that's just how it is. That's anywhere, man. Like, it, like the people that'll kill you are always people closer that to you than what you think mm-hmm. you know you want to think it's a stranger but it's always people that keep tabs on you it's true like they know Nipsey. where you live I mean, yeah. they know where your your yeah. friends are they know where your mom lives they know like what school you go you know your neighborhood and they just kind of sit there and even at, like if i'm trying to rob you or even if i'm not i'm your dog and i'm not but he's always with me he might be plotting you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah. and i don't know it and then one day you get robbed and you're like what the fuck you know what i'm saying and you they did a home invasion on my house a while back and um wow. they tried to get when I was I had all that jewelry and uh, I remember the, the, the crime scene guy gave me that that whole shit like bro you gotta think of your friends and I'm like dude it's not my boys cause I have the same two three guys that are my boys since I grew up and he goes no it's not them but they're friends that are there because you don't know if your your friend who lives there is with a bunch of friends and he's like, yo, Mauricio's my dog. And he's going to be like, yeah, he lives right here. And then they're like, all right, when they're not with your boy, they come up and they know, you know what I'm saying? They give him the whole fucking blueprint of how to get you. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, down here it's crazy, man. It happens and it's, it's crazy, man, because that kid would have been, I don't want to say the cliche thing, you know, he passed, he was going to be great, but he had like, yeah, potential to be amazing. Super talented, man. Super talented. Yeah, yeah. Good the music kid, too. He was Mixed kid, so he was Spanish and black, and he could, you know, he can kind of do the melodic thing fast, slow, and who knows, man? His family has a bunch of his music, so we'll yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. I, typically, when you link up with an artist, you try to get them on a record. How do you try? How do you finesse that? Like, how do you, you know what I mean? I mean, if you hey. helped him, you hit him with the A, my G. Remember? <laughs> Remember that one time <laughs> I put the spins on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they know if it's. Like, Miami artists know what it is because, the, like, Miami artists would be every day at the radio, every day at the club, every day at the strip club. Yo, play this, play this, play this. But new artists, it's more kind of finesse, finessing the thing. You know what I'm saying? Again, the game is you got to build – it's all relationships. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't want to be – I don't want to say I don't want to be friends with all these guys, but I try to be cool with them. You know, because, again, they pop – 
you never know. Yeah, you might it, need it helps them. To, and, and, and you got to make sure that he knows that you helped him out. You know, you didn't do nothing illegal. You, it's not like I'm saying like payola or anything, but you supported him. And cool, I've gotten turned down by artists that I've helped. And I don't, I don't get butt hurt or nothing because to me in theory is cool. You're right here. You're, you're at the top right now. But eventually you want to have another artist that you want. Or eventually you have a second album or a third album, and eventually mm-hmm. that record ain't gonna be big, and you're gonna need help with it. And that's when the big no, I don't want to say when the big book starts. <laughs> right that's when the door starts knocking, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's when I tell him. And do you remember that? Are you kind of like, yo, man, like? Yeah, I'm like, fuck him. You know what I'm saying? When they come around, I'll be fuck him, and then they eventually we squash and we talk. But I'm like, yo, man, don't be a fucking piece of shit, man. You know what I'm saying? I treat you with respect. You're talking to me now because you're fucking up here like I'm a nobody, you know what I'm saying? And then eventually they got to be like knocking on the door like, hey, I got a new record or even again, oh, I have new artists I need help with. And, and you know, it's a revolving door, man. It's a chess game. It's it's never like yes or no. It's not just one thing. Yes or no, right or wrong. Yeah. You got to play the long game with, the, with, with radio if you want to do music. The radio is a platform, but it's for the best thing the radio is for is a... Uh, networking with artists has west coast music ever really been popping out here yeah the early 90s i mean you get for us well you know how we look at west coast thing like every five years yeah hey it's a uh snoop or dre hey then there's snoop then there's game then there's like yg now it's then like you know i'm saying it's like every five years we get somebody you know now it's like hey it's roddy rich now yeah you know what i'm saying And it'll be like they pop so hard for like two years and then they like fucking vanish. I don't know why, you know. But when I when I go to L.A. and I would like when I was doing Supper Club, yo, um, it would be like three hours of West Coast music. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know none of these records. But you would hear like that. I got turned on to Mustard over there, oh, to yeah. YG. To all those West Coast guys uh, a couple years back, you know, four or five years, and I'd come here to the radio, yo, this shit is crazy. Play it, crickets, my G. <laughs> because so everyone stops dancing. we're not, we're, Miami used to be like super believers in like New York hip hop, yeah. right? But West Coast, in the 90s, again, man, like I remember uh, the Dre shit, but after that, it's like, you gotta be super big for it to be big here. But even like the New York shit, we don't, in Miami, we don't play like how we used to play before, Jada Kiss and Jay-Z. Right, right. And who, do we, who do we play from New York? I mean, you have like nobody. You got like Young M.A. Are you saying Brock? Like, yeah. People are always like, oh, French. French Montana. Yeah, I was like, French lives in Calabasas. Is like, I, I like French, but you know what I'm saying? But it's not, yeah, ASAP. ASAP is like consistent. But he's never really crossed over with that humongous number yeah. one record. The, the only time, I, like the new Fat Joe record, what was that with? Face yes. Down, Ass Up. Yeah, that's a yes. With yes. Anual. That's working out. Is that working here? It's huge here. Yeah, but again, it works. That we don't play that. I, like in Vegas, in the West, I was like, we, I don't think I've ever even heard it. I've never even thought to play it out there. And then we was at BT's the other night. It sounded so good. And it sounded yeah. crazy. Like, <laughs> and the dancers were all wilding out. And I'm like, oh yeah. shit, this but is a big record, that's funny because right? you leave here and you're like, man, that shit works. And then you get back home and you're like, fuck. 
too. Everyone's too, staring at you. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And what the fuck is you're this? The only, you're playing and he's the only one jumping around to yeah. it. And everyone remembers else was BTs like, on the river. Remember BTs, man? BTs, bro. But that, I would come back. I, I'm telling you, Supper Club on Tuesdays, I'm like, wait till Friday comes. I'm dropping all this mustard records. And I'd get here and I'd go and play that same set that I know kills out there. Yeah. yeah. And everyone's like, bro, play Chris Brown already. You know what I'm saying? Play, or, play the motto or some shit like that. Yeah. So, but, you know, here now Miami is just so like down south shit. We want to hear Atlanta shit, Louisiana shit, mm-hmm. before everything else. Mm-hmm. And then Spanish shit because that's what's big. You know what I'm saying? Like, again, the Fat Joe record, I can see if it doesn't hit in L.A., but yeah. I can tell you why it works here, you know. Besides Joe lives here, it's like an East Coast record, up and down. It has Cardi. He got the two biggest artists right now. You know what I'm saying? Arnold and Cardi being yeah. Right. So even even if the record wasn't amazing, he'll get the streams just off Cardi's fans, just off Anuel's fans. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So he's going to go. That record's going platinum no matter what. I think we were making fun of that record, right? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we was. And then we heard it, and we were like, oh, this shit is kind of popping. Yeah. I was like, come well, on, let me tell guys. you, uh, my, brother, my brother Dre from Cool and Dre, so yeah. That, yeah. he played that for me. Well, the beat is a monster. It's the crazy. It's like monster. Hector Laveau. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? First of all, I was like, yo, you're never clearing Hector Laveau. And they cleared it. And then I heard it, but, and I was like, man, there's... The first time I heard it, it was like too much going on. Yeah. I was like the drums over the Hector yeah, Lover singing. Yeah. Exactly. I couldn't hear it. And he was like telling me like, don't tell nobody. And I only heard it when Joe cut the verse. He's like, we're going to get Cardi. I'm like, boom, that shit's going to be dope. It has Cardi. Then they got Cardi and they're like, who's on the last one? Oh, we can't tell you. Then he's like, they play me the annual thing. I was like, oh man, it's cool. But I wasn't sold on it. Again, it had to grow on me. Yeah. Now on the radio, we play it every day. Here in Miami, every day we play it. But it works because the Latin market fucks with Anuel because Anuel's like anything is huge that he that kid does mm-hmm. right now. Anything. Mm-hmm. He's like the new Ozuna, Bad Bunny, J right, Balvin. Right, right. He's yeah. that guy this year. Um, and Cardi. The thing is, I w- you know what we say about Fat Joe? He finds a record every three years. Yeah, yeah. yeah we <laughs> <just> <laughs> matter, go back to like 97 and count three years and you'll see there's We were just talking about that on the podcast. He like, he's been doing this since like 92. Like yeah. Every yeah. three, five years, he come out with a hit. I've and it's he, a bona fide hit. It's not a, it's, not, it's, it's a, that hit mediocre. that carries over for three years. Yeah. I said he has a be- one of the best years in hip hop. Like he knows the record pretty well. He knows, he knows what to put out. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And, uh, he doesn't really stray away. Like he gets, he's he does uses Cool and Dre for like the last ten years. But yeah, mm-hmm. he gets the feature. The thing is, artists look up to him. He's been around so long. They're like, he's real hip hop. He's a dude from the Bronx. That's Don Cartagena. He found uh, Big Pun. He found uh, uh, Remy was with him early years. Yeah. He put on Remy. He found Khaled. You know, you find, yeah. you hear everything. And he, I, I don't think motherfuckers know how much of a of, of a thing Terra Squad was in Miami. Oh, my so, God. Yeah, you know, like, it was always out here. Like, Terra, yeah. who was the one dude that was, like, pro, proclaimed into Terra Squad that was out here? He was, like, in promotions or... Was it, like, Raul? Roman Jones's brother or... Oh, Julian? Yeah, Little Julian. Yeah. He went... Like, like Miami was, was like, Terra Squad in Miami was, like... Yeah. It was deep, yo. Yeah, like, fuck yeah. yeah. Because, it, like, when, when Joe moved down here in, like, uh, the like early 2000s, he brought everyone because you remember Fat Joe never flew 
Oh he, yeah. He didn't. He never flew. He never flew until like 2006, 2007. So he would drive down with two like SUV, two navigators, full of dudes from the Bronx. So mm -hmm. it'd be him, Pistol P. Uh, uh, what was the name of the other guys? Uh, I don't know. I can't think of the top of my head. But he'd he'd be with like ten dudes, and then eventually they all just ended up moving here. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And then Scott Storch was down here. Yeah. So yeah, right. Yeah. And they, them two together is crazy. I mean, I'm, Scott alone is nuts. Made Fat Joe's infinitely forever money. You know what I'm saying? With lean back <laughs> and, make it, and make it rain. You know, Joe like Joe can forever get money off of those records. Mm -hmm. And he caught Storch at his peak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know right before and then that's before the, the, the late, yeah the, 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 the meltdown. And before yeah. he met up with Paris Hilton and started hanging out with her. <laughs> and they started no he, cam. He, he he got caught he was a victim of south beach which happens yeah. he got caught up in the black hole and he was a explain that a little bit kind he, of. all right so he, he moved down here you know he's he's a philly kid and he moved down here he lived up in broward and he was you know he's so talented scott sorts man like i know people know him from uh you know uh dr dre and stuff like that he was part of the roots you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Just yeah. Mm -hmm. off of that, you should understand how musically like gifted he is because The Roots only has incredible musicians. And he was a keyboard player for The Roots. He produced... Still Dre. He produced the uh, uh, You Got Me record, which yeah. is hands down, uh -huh. oh, yeah. like, the commercially the best Roots record mm -hmm. yeah. ever Yeah. with Erica Badu. Or, mm -hmm. And uh, with... Uh, uh, Black what's Black Eve was on it also. With Eve, yeah. yeah. Eve was on there. Eve did the girls' oh, yeah. verse on there. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so he moved down here and then, you know, with, with hip hop production, you catch that wave and you're that guy. Yeah. He started, he did all Beyonce's, uh, uh, me, myself and yeah. I, me, myself and I, and then 50 cent just gave him hits and hits. Just, yeah. yeah. I mean, just he did Chris bit. Brown's first number one record. He did run it. Run it. Yeah. Oh shit. I didn't know he did that. Wow. Yeah, man. He, he did all little Wayne shit, all the G unit shit, fat mm -hmm. Joe shit. He caught a lick. So he was pissing money. The guy was printing money like there was no tomorrow. This is when he was like, <laughs> yeah, man. this is when he was cutting the top of Bentleys Correct. to make them convertible. Right. And everyone was like, you're fucking crazy. Yeah, Phantoms in one. <laughs> Phantoms in. Oh, yeah, he was, yeah Phantoms. Yeah. So he was like, oh, I need a convertible. He paid like uh, the same. It cost like a million dollars to cut the top off of a car that's half a million dollars. That was some. Everyone was like, "Yo, this motherfucker's out of his mind." Man. No, he had the, the running guy was crazy. Trying to do a drop top phantom, make yeah. it rain. But, but, but yeah, man, like he was there, and no one can fuck with him at that point. And it's a case of the beach, man. Like the, the alcohol, the drugs, and he'll tell you himself, man. He 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 hit rock bottom, and you know, not until you hit it, you you can acknowledge it and, yeah. and that you've hit it, and. He's he. I hear he's doing amazingly. He keeps telling me, "Come to L.A., come to L.A." He comes here, but um, in oh, his so hate. He, so he moved to L.A. Yeah, yeah. he's been oh, living in L.A. That. for like no, a few shit. years now. And um, he, like he, you know, I, I follow him on Instagram, and he he just be fucking around in the studio. The keys, yes, and I'm just like, God damn, man! It's like every beat <laughs> when he is does dope, a medley man. and he just plays all his hits just on the keys. It's fuck one of yeah, the best things I, I've ever heard I, in my life. I can show you videos when I would go to his house and I have him do them. All the Dr. Dre stuff, then he does all the dangerously in love shit, the, the Beyonce. He does the the Busta I hurt uh, hurt you right on the piano. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy, yeah. man. You see him do a Candy Shop, and um, he has Candy Shop, just a little bit popping them things. 
me, myself, and I. Let me love you. Still, and these are this is when people would buy hard copies. So yeah, he was making like real money Mm -hmm. when labels made real money. So that's the South Beach black hole. Is that the? I mean, yeah. Most people get caught in the South Beach black hole, and the thing is, he caught it while he was making tremendously amounts of money. So it was a a deeper black hole than than usual. Listen, (laughs) those Scott Storch house parties after the clubs were in. Same. Did you DJ those? Hell no. I would just go. The fuck do I want to DJ over there? I I would go after the club and it would be whoever you would think doing whatever you would think. (laughs) With whoever you would think. Whatever you would think. And and it didn't matter. It would just be, it would be insane, man. And and, uh, there were good times, but I mean, you know, it fucked up his life. Yeah. Fuck it, the career. It fucked up his life. And he had to move and get the fuck out of here because it wasn't really health-wise doing shit. And, you know, now he's, I think he's married or engaged. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he he took his daughter out there. He's amazing, man. Like, he, he has his balance, man. I've, I, to me, everything is balanced, man. My shit was so fucked up, like most DJs, man. All, sleep all day, out all night, fucking partying, girls, all this shit, man. And not until I hit rock bottom, you realize how fucked up your life is. So um, there's nothing wrong with hitting rock bottom, man. You know what I'm saying? You hit rock bottom. You <laughs> just gotta, bounce back. You got nowhere else to go. Just get back up. Yeah, you got nowhere else to go once you hit rock bottom. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's all about like self-awareness, right? Just right. being self-aware of your weaknesses and your strengths and then try not to overindulge in the weaknesses too much. And everything there's like always going right? to be a weakness. And, one, and once yeah. you, you, you over... Like you can overcome a weakness, another one will come. That's just right. how life is. But it's also, and that's to me, that's what I think greatness is, and that's what I think life is. Is that you know when you some some people dig their own ditches, some people fall in ditches, but it's all about getting out of the ditch and like and and keep going and shit like that. Right, but, we're all yeah. gonna fall. It's how you yeah. bounce back from the fall. And usually, yeah. when you get out of that ditch, is when you really achieve greatness. It's like you know, for me, every I always say this. I said with every breakthrough. There's a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Correct. You, you have to, you have to, it doesn't come one out of another. And you can't just keep winning and winning and winning. You know what I mean? It doesn't yeah, come like that, man. And, and again, we all hit that pavement. So I was, when I tell you, I didn't even hit the floor. I hit the floor. I dug my own hole and I threw myself in there and covered <laughs> myself up. That's how, how I was at a, at a bad point in my life. But what, you have clarity once you see it because when you're moving so fast, Mm. the vision gets so foggy, right? Mm-hmm. you like straight tunnel vision. You're going night to night, uh, club to club, plane to plane, yeah. girl to girl, you know, girl from whatever you want to, you know what I'm saying? And you should, so you're not thinking anymore. You're like a fucking zombie. Mm-hmm. You have to hit that rock bottom. It's probably the one thing that'll save your life is hitting that rock bottom at some point. And then you can start doing, you can still DJ, but you do it with more balance. You see, man, I need to change this. I'm going to die physically, mentally, in every way. And then you're good. I think I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. Yeah. You almost had a, you had a song with Rick Ross, right? And Troy Ave. Yeah. uh, Paper Plates. Right. 2016. Fuck me, man. Yeah. It was, uh, it was was like bad timing, right? My G. It was like about to go out and then Troy (laughs) Ave shoot somebody and fucking... No radio station wants to fucking play that record. I was talking with Jamie about it earlier, right? Yeah, I was. I was gonna ask you. At any point, did you feel like, yo, I gotta take this dude off of the record, or like, fuck it? It is. People told my PD told me we can't play Troy Ave because. 
he like murdered somebody. It was like you said that uh, I saw somebody you said you're gonna shoot the video on Memorial Day weekend, and the incident happened two days prior. Right, it, it happened right. This shit got so fucked, man. This was the shooting in like Queens or something, right? No, it's every no, Plaza. No, Irvin no, Plaza. Plaza. Oh, Plaza. Yeah, it was Ti was performing. Yeah, and he was opening up or some shit like that. And they have video of Troy Irvin Plaza. Right? Yeah, yeah. You see him? It's like the night he's like fucking shooting. He's like welcome back with yeah. the gun. Is he shooting? It was a whole situation with a uh, tax stone and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah right. With Troy, and he's Troy. still he he has a court date coming up. He still yeah. hasn't gotten out of that shit, man. But um. He, I always thought Troy Ave was like dope. He was like real New York. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He was like that guy. I, I hate saying bring New York back, but he was like a good New York guy that was going to, you know, had the whole the whole package. Yeah. He had a good flow. He had a good tone. Uh, he said like sonically he sounded good. Like, like he had good songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He had good writing. It was good. He kind of sang a little bit, but he, he had a good uh, wordplay. And I was like, I'm going to use him on the, on the record. Bro, <laughs> the Ross and Gotti thing was easy because yeah. they're here and I can get them. I was like, I need someone from New York, and he was like, to me, like he's gonna blow. And even if he doesn't, eventually he'll blow, and I'll have like all oh, the guy at that point. Mm-hmm. So I just put my bet on him, and he blew yeah, up man. the wrong way, <laughs> bro. You had you had a, a, a few records that you dropped, and I've heard, and I've been like. That that shit is dope, and then let's see if it happens. Done, paper done, plates was great. People people like love that. paper plates, and it's it just kind of like you know, with music, it's this timing, man. Yeah, there's people that have some of the best music. They've never put it out, or they put it out and never did anything. That you could go back to any artist and listen to 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 their catalog, and you're like, how did this song not become big? It's all timing, man. What people want to hear, and what the labels push in, and what programmers. It's just. Like, the whole industry is hard, man. When people ask me always for advice on putting on music, and there's no right way, man. It's like, you can say, I'm going to do it myself, and you can put 200 grand of your own money, and in a month, you have nothing. Yeah. 200 grand went to what? To playing it? Because you can budget it out and get people to play, but if people don't want to hear it, you're fucked, yeah, right? Yeah. Or you can say, fuck it, I'll give everything to the label. Then it pops, but they keep the majority of your shit. So, I mean... It's rough, man, because you could have a hit and it could take like a year, like eight months to a year to pop and it's about you. Except Ferg, you know what I'm saying? Playing James out. Mm -hmm. Lizzo, like two years. Yeah. That that, that Lizzo record, uh, two years out, sitting there. And you think, like I think when when someone told me that, I'm like, fuck, how did I not hear that? Or maybe they played it and I just kind of like blew it off. Like it it wasn't like It didn't sound like it. It didn't sound like a record that would. It sounded like a musical I mean, even if I hear it now, I'm like, it's cool, but I'm not running to play it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So Mm -hmm. to me, again, I've been wrong before with records and maybe that one was it, but. I think we were all wrong. I mean, none, we, we all true. heard it. We all heard when it. I first we heard it, like, I was yeah. like, this is kind of cheesy. This is not going to be for the club. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it ended just Now you have like off. a re-drum. You're like, ooh, there's a way. To, <laughs> there's a way. I got to play it because the girls are going to like it. Yeah, man. But you're working on music now, right? You yeah, got man. Uh, yeah. Listen, those days of DJs making money just off of DJing that I was telling you, Far you got to have something else to sell, man. Yeah. And yeah. you could be amazing and... You have to have something else. There's, there, there's no, the way, culture, society, technology. You can't just say, "Hey, I'm a great DJ. I want a residency in Tal, or I want to, uh, I want this much money in Miami." They're gonna be like, "No," but you put out music, and your record's big, then you can ask for whatever. Yeah. 
And as a DJ, that's probably the easiest way to go to put out music. It's hard if you don't have the relationships, but for me, that's why I've never left radio. I feel like um, it's easy for me to do music if I want to, when I want to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And if not, I like doing radio. So it's a win-win for me. But yeah, you have to put music. For me, I have a bunch of music coming out in January. It's a bunch of different music. I'm not. It's not all hip hop. Um, I have some reggaeton stuff. Um, I'm working with Anuel on some stuff. That's dope. Nice. That I can't put out until February because I can't. He yeah, has nice. way too much shit, and the label's never gonna clear it. But um, and I have a bunch of stuff with Tory Lanez. I have a, a show. Oh, with great. Him. Yeah, Tory, Tory lives down here in Miami. I'm excited for that. He's so he's like I feel like not that people don't know of him, but he's just so talented that Way talented. I sit in the studio and he'll write you a song in 20 minutes. Mm. He'll write it, go in the studio, hum it out, write it right there, and the shit's done. He's like, no. boom, there it is. And I'm like, fuck, man. If I can write songs that quick, I'd be fucking. <laughs> yeah. I'd be fucking rich. But the kid, he's so fucking talented. People man. sleep on a lot of his shit. Like even the two a.m. with a uh, um, what's his name from up in New York, Casanova. Yeah, great hit. And yeah, the, the shit he did yeah. with Osuna. Pamela yeah, he, is great. He knows. He knows. Love even his own records. But he because he phenomenal. sounds good with anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I tell people, you put him with like like some trap shit, and he can do the the Meek Mill shit. The uh, what was the what was the Meek Mill and Tory Lanez record? Oh, was it Liddy? Yeah, yeah Liddy. Yeah, yeah. Liddy. Yeah. That's a great record. It's a good record, man. And it's never like a huge record, but you can play in the club and it hits. And um, so with him, uh, you know, he had like the beef with Drake and all that bullshit, but now they're good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So he's he's recorded like three or four sets with Drake, but I'm dying to hear. He's like this close to having a huge crossover hit. Yeah. You know? He's way. Because he's I mean, got the streets. He's right got now. the club. Yeah. He's, he's got, got the, the club streets. records. He has a club record. And the girls, the like the young, like the girls. girls love yeah, him. Yeah. Love you, him. Yeah. When, I, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm with girls like 18 or 24, which is like the radio demo, and I'm like, yo, who should I do music with? They're like, Tory Lanez. That's like the first answer, you know what I'm saying? Even the controller version he did was better than Drake's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, so. he flips it, man. And he, he knows, he knows, you know, like he knows his genius. He knows that he, he can, he, he has that wave. Mm-hmm. And so does Drake. I guarantee, you know what I'm saying? Like all these guys know what it is because someone like Ozuna is not going to do a song with anyone. You yeah, know what I'm right. saying? So he's going to do shit with, with Tori because Tori's that guy. But yeah, so. Knock on wood, Tory's fam. He's from Broward. He's from uh, Toronto, but he's lived in Fort, like up in Hollywood and in, in Broward. Oh, I didn't know that. And yeah. we don't have yeah, a lot. Listen, yeah. our two. You know who's from Broward too? Diplo from Plantation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Diplo's huge. So, mm-hmm. we, you know, we cool. pick and you not pick and choose, but we don't have that many Broward people. Day we have a shitload of people. <laughs> Broward, it's like Jason Derulo, Tory Lanez, and then Diplo. Yeah, and Tory Lanez by default. Yeah. Torrance, yeah, but we will take him. Up. Yeah, he lives, of course. He's from Broward. He's really from he's Toronto, now. and he lives in Miami. So we take him as one of ours. And uh, but yeah, so I got a, a ton of a ton of stuff. Um, Can't wait to hear, man. Yeah. January. Yeah, yeah we're we looking forward. Wait, so 2020, man, we're gonna be looking out for more and some yeah, pitbull yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know dope, what I'm saying? Dope. Don't be sleeping on pit. Pit's got a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. He's just like the dude's like a humanitarian. He has like a bunch of schools he's opened up. He's like a motivational speaker. He he. He's trying to be like Tony Robbins. Yeah, he's saying, yeah. He hangs with Tony Robbins. Mr. Worldwide. And uh, but you know, he's he what hasn't he done at this point? Yeah. yeah. Look, the Super Bowl's coming here. 
And I remember that they got J-Lo and uh, Shakira. Shakira, and, and everyone's tripping because they don't have Miami people. So who's the first one that fits to do like some kind of Super Bowl shit? It's They're like probably Pitbull. Bring Pitbull. Pitbull. Of course, yeah. of course. He's, he's, he's in the works right yeah, now. Yeah, he has, he has things with J-Lo, I believe. It's yeah, not going to be us anything with Shakira, but... It's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. it's going to be one of those out of Surprise. nowhere. Surprise, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but... Uh, you cannot first have quarter, the Super Bowl not do Kulo. <laughs> you can't have you can't do something in Miami and not have Pitbull yeah. or Flo. We kept saying Pitbull or Flo because it's kind of more kind of like crossover, crossover general yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. that the NFL kind of likes, you know. But yeah, the first quarter I'm dropping all that shit. Um, Dope. Uh, I'm trying to figure out the distribution thing. I'm trying to make money, man. So I don't want to sell it out. Get it and get it, you know. <laughs> but um, get yeah, that shit, man. I'll send it yeah. to you guys. But uh. Put music out, DJs. That is the only way to make money unless you're going to do reality TV, which I don't recommend. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's, I feel like everyone wants to do reality blah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. That's it. I think I've, I've spoke for like two hours. No, and now I got to do radio man. with my, my voice like half gone. Yeah, man. Yo, Mauricio, thank you so much for, Appreciate for you, man. coming thank through, so man. Much, yeah, you know? man. And uh, glad we got to work this shit out, man. Let's give a hand to Maria. Yeah, thank, thank you for you, having man. me, man. What do you call it? Hopefully, I didn't That's disappoint. No, no, not at all. That was man. great. Yeah, for sure. Fuck, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. thank you, bro. Anyway, you catch this video alongside with all the new videos we drop on Friday on YouTube.com/slash World Podcast. Like, comment, subscribe. Hit the notification bell to be the first to get the video. And wow, that was dope. That was good. That should be the one. Damn, that one take. You. That was one, one take, take. Jake. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to DJ City. Yeah, <laughs> hey. And we out, yo. Peace. Peace. Peace.